Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Thursday edition of Sports Call. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm the host of this show. Today on the show, I've got Brooks Childress and Brent Daughtry with me here as we talk all things here in the sports world. We will be talking about last night's Auburn loss in Athens, Georgia, a game that we previewed uh, at good length the last couple of days. Auburn not able to get the victory uh, in Athens, Georgia. They fall to the Bulldogs, so we'll recap that loss. We'll also start to look ahead to their next basketball game, a big one inside of Neville Arena against the top 15-ranked Arkansas Razorbacks. We'll also update you more on the DeMar Hamlin situation and what the league is going to plan to do with the remainder of the season. We'll also kind of rehash some of the conversations we had yesterday about transfer portal updates and that sort of thing. So a lot to talk about. And, of course, we'll take your phone calls at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 on the Auburn Bank phone line. Again, Ryan Brooks and Brent with you here this afternoon we'll start with you brooks hope you are doing well today sir um i'm doing relatively well uh, obviously the auburn game last night le- kind of left a little uh, sour taste in the mouth uh but you know it, it's one of those games that you you pro- hopefully we can look back on at the end of the year and say you know hey auburn shouldn't have lost that game this team is much better than that and this was one of the games that got you a, a kick in the you know kind of a kick in the pants and got the season going because you know mike white's a good basketball coach georgia you you've watched them so far this year and they are an improved team over what they were under tom crean but they're not they're not a better team than auburn is and and auburn uh, Auburn probably with the talent on that team should have won that game last night. They just got beat uh, on both ends of the floor. Uh, I think what was it? Broom was Broom the only Auburn Tiger in double digit scoring last night, or was there another one? Uh, he was not. Alan Flanagan had eleven on five of ten, but those were the only two. But so you know, eleven's got, barely in the. You got, you got to have more than you know more than that. You got to have two guys. Uh, you you got to have more than two guys that are scoring in double digit points for the, for this team. You're, you're just too talented there. Um, I thought you know going into uh, I think the last time I was on the show on Tuesday, I said that I I thought that the watch the USC game was the road game that got the kick in the pants that you always really see with the Bruce Pearl team where they struggle on the road to start with, get one of those road games out of the way that they don't look good at and they lose, and then it's like all right, well now we you know we figured out how to play on the road, and I thought that was what the Washington game was. You went to Washington, tough environment up there in the Pacific Northwest, got a win on the road, and now you're like, all right, we're set. I I was obviously incorrect at that because the Tigers sh- uh, showed up in Athens last night and didn't didn't play like they uh, didn't play like they have uh, a few games this year. Specifically, didn't play like they did in that Washington game. 
but you know this is a building block you got to get you got to put this behind you got to learn from those from what happened last night i know they're on they're on the court right now practice i think that started about 2 30 uh this afternoon and gotta get ready for arkansas because arkansas is a uh, a big a big game coming to town like you said top 15 team in the the razorbacks and you got to win this game or else probably you know they, well definitely you you're sitting at 22 right now because you're not gonna be ranked next week if you beat arkansas there's a chance you stay in the rankings uh but you know if, if you lose Ar- you lose this arkansas game you're out of the rankings for the first time this year and fr- first time in a couple years actually because the tigers were in the top 25 all of last year and so you gotta get gotta get something going here you got to you got to figure out something it this doesn't look like uh, a bruce pearl team that we've seen lately this kind of looks like uh, we i think me and brant were talking about it last night this looks like a bruce pearl team from one of his first three years here where you've got some talent on the team but nobody's really you know stepping up janai broom has stepped up a little bit but there's not uh, a lot of cohesiveness there's not a lot of uh not a, you know they're they're not playing like you've seen Bruce Pearl teams play in the past. You gotta you gotta do something, uh, something different. Something's got to change. I'm I'm not a basketball expert. I don't claim to be. Uh, I just you know I'm on here to give my opinions of what I see. And so some something's got to give here. And and I think that this weekend you've you've got to have a big performance against Arkansas. You got to have a bounce back game because that last night you know as as an Auburn fan I I think a lot of people say that's not was not an acceptable loss on the year. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think that right now, I think the biggest problem is just the guard play. The guard play is too inconsistent right now. You, you don't have, you know, Wendell Green has been your your go-to scorer at that guard spot, and he just couldn't get anything going. And when he got stagnant, everybody else kind of trailed off around him. Janai Broom had a heck of a game, but he was kind of the only one. There were times where it felt like Janai was the only guy on the floor in, in an orange and blue jersey. So uh, that's got to get fixed going forward, and Bruce knows that. Bruce is a smart guy. He's been coaching basketball uh, for for a lot longer than any of us have, for sure, and uh, you know he's he knows more. He has forgotten more about basketball than most of us will ever know. So Bruce Pearl is he he knows what the problem is, and he's got to get it figured out. And right now, I think it's guard play. You've got to get consistency. And hey, this may just be one of those years where you go, man, we tried something and it really didn't work out. We got to reset and try again next year. Uh, good coaches have those years sometimes, and if that is what it is, then you know, get in there, cheer for these guys, get the wins that they can. Maybe they go 500 in SEC play. Uh, they're probably going. They're probably going to be a bubble team uh, if they continue to play like this. And I think that that's okay. You know, it happens sometimes. It's just not something that you can do consistently. Uh, but I think Bruce has shown he has proven that he is better that he is a better coach than that. And uh, I think he's going to get it fixed going forward. It's a matter of uh, what how good can this team be this year. And I think it's all on the shoulders of the guards right now. And uh, let's just continue to dive into this game because this is the first road game in the SEC for Auburn. Uh, Auburn's next road game will come next week and it'll be against Ole Miss. Uh, this Arkansas game, pretty significant one this weekend. Arkansas has had uh, a couple of injuries to, to key freshmen already. They were able to come from behind on their home court at Bud Walton Arena last night and beat a top 25 Missouri team that's looked very good uh, so far this year. Uh, this will be a tough test for Auburn, and uh, it is very significant, significant that it is at home, uh, and that will have to really carry Auburn as – Another game in which, uh, unfortunately, it's just it's going to have to be talked about really all year long. The, the lack of offense that Auburn Auburn has. They did not play their best defensive game either uh, against Georgia, as Georgia was able to get in the seventies. That's something that Mike White teams don't always do. Um, Terry Roberts, we talked about him and Aquindo, uh 
uh, Carriano Quindo yesterday. Uh, Roberts had 26 for Georgia, and Quindo had 17. So that's 43 uh, points right there out of their starting backcourt. And just to be honest, I mean, one of the things that has continued to hinder Auburn is Wendell Green Jr. and Katie Johnson, two guys that are upperclassmen and guys that were very key contributors to last year's team, um, they have just not been able to have any sort of consistent play this year. And hoping that the third, fourth, fifth best players from last year's team would develop into the best couple of players on this year's team. And that's just not really happened. Or if they are in the top couple of players, it's not really because of any improvements that they've made. It's just because of other guys not being able to step up. And again, I, I look at Wendell Green Jr. last night, 2 of 12, 0 of 6 from 3, uh, had more turnovers than assists. That is something that's happened now in four of the last six games. Uh, Katie Johnson with only one made field goal off the bench or just three points off the bench. And uh, these are just very, I mean, it is, I mean, when you struggle on offense, you're going to have to find something. And these guys have just not been able to improve from last year. Um, there's obviously other guys that are struggling on offense too. Jalen Williams, who had played really well as of late, was one of nine last night. Auburn as a whole, six of 28 from three, uh, which is 21%. And then they were 34.8 from the field, which is still terrible in its own right. They were 10 out of 16 from the foul line, which is 62%. That's not particularly good either. Uh, really, any way you slice it outside of Janiah Broom, there were struggles. I thought Flanagan did a decent job off the bench. He provided them in, uh, energy. Obviously, he was their second-leading scorer. Uh, but Janiah Broom has been the bright spot here for Auburn as of late. Uh, a 22-12 and 12 game. He hit a couple threes, which, granted, you don't really want Janai Broom to be taking threes, but he did uh, make two of Auburn's six last night. If you take his two of five out, then you're down, down up to four of 23 uh, for, for Auburn, which would be under 20% if you take Janai Broom's threes out. Uh, not and, great. And I'm just not seeing, uh, and I would love to be asking other people this, so we'll start by asking you this, Brant. I mean, what... How do you find the most offense out of this team that you can? Because obviously this team is not a good three-point shooting team. Uh, obviously there's just inconsistencies with these upperclassmen that, I mean, we could all say we'd love to be more consistent, but if they've not been able to consist be consistent for 15 games or so, I I mean, I don't know if that's really a fixable, tangible thing. Yeah. Uh, any ideas of how to get more out of these guys and out of this offense here? You know, I... Wendell Green's stat line, what you what you just told me, I didn't know it was that bad. I knew he had a bad game. I didn't know it was as bad as you said. I, Wendell Green's a better player than that. He's got to start playing like it, honestly. I, and it, I don't want to just put all the blame on him because it's certainly not just on him. But he was brought into this season as he's going to be the guy that our offense runs through because he, he showed last season that he can be that guy. And so far this year, like you said, it's been 15 games and he has not stepped up and Bruce is giving him this opportunity. And if he doesn't take advantage of it, it's going to be taken away from him pretty soon. Uh, Chance, uh, Chance Westry is a guy that we saw a lot in the preseason. Who you know That knee might still be bothering him. We haven't seen him as much. Um, the Trey Donaldson is the name I'm trying to think of. Trey Donaldson has shown a lot uh, off the bench this year, and I'm worried. And I'm I don't want to say I'm worried because it's not like I'm personally invested in Wendell Green Jr. But if Wendell doesn't pick it up, 
then he might see he might lose that starting job, you know, because he came off the bench last season. Uh, and, and what we've seen from Trey Donaldson makes me go right now. He's a better player than Wendell Green is. And I thought Wendell Green was going to show that improvement. I thought he was going to be more consistent. But like you said, I mean, he's what did you what did you say his three point number two of yeah, twelve well, from the field? He was two of twelve. He was zero of six from three. Yeah, that, that's that's rough. That's really bad. That's that's a liability. You know, and more turnovers and assists out of your starting point guard. Uh, you've got to be better than that. You've got to be better than that. And Wendell Green is better than that, but he's not playing like it right now. And if he can't fix that, then he's going to lose this opportunity. And there are other guys that that applies to. Katie Johnson was was abysmal. Um, even Jalen Green, who's been – not Jalen Green, but uh, Jalen Williams, who has been uh, the brightest spot uh, on this on this team uh, for several games, he had a really bad game. And sometimes bad games happen, but right now they're happening way too consistently for, for Auburn. And these guys are better than that, and they've got to start playing like it. I think for me when I'm thinking about it um, – Let's let's talk about some things we we like. Okay, there's not a lot to like from a 12 point loss at Georgia, but um, obviously we love J- what Jani Brooms doing the last three or yeah, four games. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he's been very active offensively to go with the the good rebounding numbers. Uh, I like Chris Moore's energy. I know that Chris Moore is not necessarily a player that's going to be a high volume player, but uh, he always seems to give you good effort. And not that this team lacks effort as a whole, but it just stands out with Chris Moore. He had seven points, five rebounds in 22 minutes last night. Um, as a role player, Chris Moore is the type of role player you love to have because of the energy. Uh, Jalen Williams was not good uh, shooting the basketballs. We talked about one of nine. He did give you seven rebounds and four assists. He actually had the most assists on the team last night. So I like that he made other plays. Uh, but here's the issue. I can talk – well, let me give you one or two more things I like to before – uh, like I said, I like the Flanagan effort. Uh, you, anyone that can give double-digit scoring off the bench uh, in general in a vacuum is good. Uh, and I did like uh, – I know this is a very small thing, but I like Leor Berman coming in and hitting a three. Yeah. If Leor Berman's going to play two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes in the game, it needs to be because he's hit a three or two. And he did do that. He only That was his only shot of the night, but in four minutes he did make a three. The, the issue here is some of these guys – if they're in their set roles, if you're telling me Chris Moore is the sixth best player on the team or needs, or is the sixth most important player on the team, then I love seven points, five rebounds out of that, and I love the energy there. If you're telling me that Jalen Williams' scoring is not necessarily essential, then I love that he had seven rebounds and four assists. It's very active uh, in a college basketball game there. Uh, I even like that Zepp Jasper hit a couple shots last night. He did foul out in 19 minutes, and that I don't love. But some of these guys in a vacuum are not doing a poor job with their anticipated roles. But the issue is, is that no one has stepped up into that main scoring role. Yeah. Uh, and at least not at the guard position. Broom is starting to do that as a big man, and that's awesome. But someone's got to give you double digits on a nightly basis out of that, that out of that guard spot. And that could have been Wendell Green Jr. And for the year, he's averaging 12 or 13, but his play has, is regressing the last six games. The last six games, he does not have a game at 40% or shooting or higher. And he has four of those six games as more turnovers than assists. So it's not coming from Wendell as a late. Katie Johnson has not been playing well. His now season average is now under 10 points a game. And uh, you look at someone like Alan Flanagan, 
okay, can you build off this 11 points? Can you build off that? I saw some nice takes to the rim. I saw a nice 15-foot pull-up. Still was 0 of 2 from 3. I liked what he did inside the three-point line. Can you get that every night from Alan Flanagan? Uh, And then the other harsh reality here is that I've spent a lot of time talking about those older guys. The freshmen have been nearly irrelevant. Uh, Trey Donaldson has picked it up as of late. He did not play well last night, but as of late, he has played played well. Yoan Traor has not been a factor this year, and Chance Westry is now struggling to see the floor. And that that's disappointing because those are all pretty highly rated freshmen, and not that yeah. I expect them all to be contributors right away because you know that freshmen didn't used to always be high impact, but. That's just adding to the problem that you've got three pretty highly touted freshmen here, and between them, they all co- they combined for 23 minutes of action last night and scored a total of one point. And you're now coming to the, I don't want to say crunch time part of the season because we're not to March yet, but we're coming to the point of the year where there's a lot more going on, and uh, there needs to be contributions from other players. Uh, and I think that um, really with everything going on as it kind of snowballs, it's been kind of frustrating that the freshmen have not been able to get better. That, in fact, for the most part, they seem to be regressing. Um, and I, ju- I just – I don't know. I think that uh, they're um, – has just been I don't know there's just been stagnation stag stagnation is that the correct word Stag- I, I'm not sure stag- just stagnant play it's been stagnant from, there you go from uh, from those freshmen in terms of trying to get better and in fact regression in some in some yeah. forms you, you know Yoan Treor was the second highest rated signee in Auburn history uh, behind Jabari, behind only Jabari Smith. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal to flip him from yeah, LSU. Absolutely yeah. a massive deal. He was, and he's super raw. He's not been playing basketball for nearly as long as Jabari. No one expected him to be Jabari, but you expected him to be a major contributor, and you expected that to come in early. And like you just said, you're at the point of the season where your lineup kind of needs to be set. You've you've entered SEC play. You're done. You're into the part of the season where it really matters. You, you don't have you, you don't have time to experiment anymore. You know, so those guys that aren't playing, uh, they're not going to be playing. You know, they're not going to just suddenly start playing halfway through. I can't through. trust Chance Westry. Yeah, you, know? you, like, you, can, you just can't. Haven't seen him yet. Yep. And I mean, Trey Donaldson, I think, has firmly cemented himself in that PG two role. But right now, that's not exactly a high bar. Like we just outlined, West, Wendell Green is not playing as well as anybody thought he would. So you're not getting anything from your freshmen. Uh, and your older guys are not contributing. They're not. They have taken steps backward. You know, they're playing worse than they did last year. KD Johnson is a guy that I've defended a lot. I think KD Johnson is. You know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, and that's okay because when it works out, it really, really works. But right now, it just isn't working at all, and it hasn't worked much at all this season. And you've got you've got this problem where you're going man this offense is so guard heavy and it's so guards focused and right now none of your guards are stepping up and i will say (laughs) i think it's kind of funny earlier in the season i kind of criticized janai broom as like well he's not really getting back that much on defense he's not playing with a whole lot of effort for all of this offensive prowess that we were told he has he's not scoring a whole lot 
I honestly think Dylan Cardwell is a better option. I said that on the air. I don't think he's scored less than 11 since that day. <laughs> so, you know, props to John Janai for uh, for picking his game up. But he seems to be the only guy who's gotten better throughout the season. I mean, Alan Flanagan started the season on fire. He looked like the Alan Flanagan we all thought he could be before that Achilles injury. But, I mean, since then, 11 points is not a bad night by any stretch. But it's, you know, it's not an, a quote-unquote alpha dog type of night that we all thought Allen was going to have. And, you know, it's right now, like you said, we keep going back to this. There is no guy on offense that you trust. Get the ball to him and let him go score in some way. Because right now it's let Wendell drive out of control to the bucket, hope he can get a foul. And if he can't, then, oh, well, it's a turnover. That's honestly what it feels like a lot of the time. Yeah, and, uh, you know, look, it it is a harsh reality there that they're just not, coming around on offense and, and last night was not their best best defensive effort either and and sometimes that's going to happen on the road to be honest with you sometimes the, the home team is going to get yes. a home boost and, and so I, that's still not something i worry about overall uh i, I do think they're overall a, a very good defensive team uh but they but their ceiling has dramatically changed for me here in the last few weeks just because I just don't see a scenario where Auburn becomes a truly good offensive team and yeah. without a go-to guy. And like I said, a lot of these guys, it's not that they're really playing that much worse or different than last year. It's that some someone at some point needed to play better than last year because yes. you lost Jabari Smith and you lost Walker Kessler. And I you know got guys that are a year older. You expect them to play like right. they're a year you, older. Yeah, exactly. And so, again, some of these guys are not doing vastly different things than last year. Wendell Grin Jr.'s numbers are very similar to last year. But last year he was an inefficient player which it didn't make a huge deal because you had Jabari Smith so Wendell could have a bad night and then the next night they might need him and he would come through but now they kind of need him to be good almost every night and he's not been and like you said with Flanagan you know 11 points normally I would be fine with someone scoring 11 points off the bench I'm not criticizing last night's play that's for sure but it's just that okay well when it when you're the second highest score at 11 points can the second highest score be at 15 or 16 points that's that would be the ideal scenario there so uh, a lot there to discuss with Auburn basketball and we will continue to discuss more of it coming up in just a little bit but let's take our first break of the show it's Ryan LaVoy Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry here on this Thursday edition sports call we'll be right back Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. This again, beautiful weather day. Some would argue it's not very wintry out there when it's around 60 to 65 degrees, but uh, I like sunshine and I like warmth. So, and 60 or 64 
is not uh, it's not terribly warm. I mean, it's warmer than most winters. Oh, I was, I was saying, oh, please turn my mic on. I walk outside a jacket. I don't get, you know, I'm not too cold. I'm not too hot. It's, I keep the jacket on, and it's not like I'm, you know, I'm not upset about it. Yeah, it's just I was talking to Tom about it the other day, and he just he was like, yeah, but it could be 60s and 70s in the, in the uh, spring, so I want it to be colder in the winter. I was like, ah, fair. But I you, just like you. Them. I like a little a little crisp in the air. Not not like we had a couple weeks ago where you walk outside and immediately are frozen right. you know, solid, but a little just a little crisp in the air is, is pretty nice. All right, let's uh let's go to our Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. 334-887-341 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. First up on the show today. Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Well, I'm glad you asked that question now, because uh, like Brooke said Last night, not so well. But uh, it's good to always hear your voices, and I always appreciate uh, this time. In fact, you guys make my day, okay? <laughs> that, I always look forward to the hours between 3 to 6. Well, we appreciate so, that, Steve. We enjoy talking to you. And uh, well, I thank you for that, because uh, sometimes I make no sense. So, guys, uh, let's start something uh, maybe on a brighter note first. Sure. I heard a, uh, a very encouraging update from the uh, uh, medical hospital physicians uh, about uh, Mr. Hamill. They said that he uh, is actually uh, well, well uh, becoming more alert, right? And that uh, apparently uh, he is gaining some degree of level of consciousness. They said that his uh, neurological uh, symptoms uh, are almost back uh, to being normal, which they said was quite surprising. So those are all good, uh, you know. Uh, encouraging signs uh, about his uh, progression. So I was really uh, glad to hear that. Have you guys heard anything more beyond that? Yeah, we know they had a uh, some sort of a Q&A with a couple of the doctors there at the University of Cincinnati Hospital. And uh, one of the things they mentioned are more um, humorous, but then also um, kind of heartwarming moment what the doctor's response is hamlin he can't talk right now uh, but he was able to write uh, a question and he asked them if the bills had won that football game and the doctor replied that uh, you won you won the game of life and so uh, I thought that was a, a heartwarming uh, a moment there. But, uh, yeah, he seems to be making improvements. And uh, as you allude to, he has woke, woken up. Uh, and so right now they're feeling more and more optimistic about uh, his health situation. Well, that's, uh, that's good to hear. Uh, he was very, very fortunate. And it happened to him in, in, that, in that context, in that stadium. Or else it might have been uh, uh, less uh, – uh, pleasant outcome for him. All right. So, on continue with uh, some brighter information. How about Mr. Daniel Carlson? Guys, do we know if he's made the Pro Bowl or didn't? Uh, I can double check that again. I uh, did not think he had, um, but uh, we will we will check that out real quickly here. Okay. Well, according to uh, information from uh, figure Daniel Carlson, no Mark Murphy, yeah. Uh, his Auburn football tidbits and Tigers football. Anyway, uh, I thought this was really very encouraging for former Auburn uh, player and kicker. Uh, he said in his sixth season in the NFL, uh, apparently uh, Dan Cross has been the most prolific on field goals 50 yards or longer. He's hit 10 of 12. 
Uh, Steve, it was uh, it was Justin Tucker of Baltimore that made it for the AFC. Carlson did not wow. make it. So he was that much better than the Daniel Carlson then? Uh, I mean, not that that much better. I mean, they're very they're very close. But uh, again, as I said the other day, Tucker has been regarded as the best kicker in the in the league for several years now. Wow. Well, he made for this season for the Raiders, according to again to Mark Murphy, he's made thirty two out of thirty five attempts for the Raiders going to the season finale on Saturday. Uh, versus Kansas City. I mean, wow. I'd like to know what the other guy uh, did as a bell. Then okay, he must be really good. Um, uh, yeah, let me uh, let me tell you. So uh, I, I can confirm that uh, Carlson's thirty-two or thirty-five uh, kicking field goals this year. Looks like Justin Tucker is thirty-four of forty, um, which is not as good. Yeah, I mean it's very similar. Um, but uh, it looks like he's made eight kicks outside of 50 yards. I'll have to go back to what Carlson made. Um, okay. Yeah, he was eight of thir- – Tucker was eight of 15 – or excuse me, eight of 13 uh, from 50-plus yards this year. And uh, Daniel Carlson was 10 to 12, so Carlson doesn't beat there. So it, it could have very easily been Carlson. Gosh, I wonder what the term – now those votes are made by the public or by the players who, who, who makes those votes. Uh, for the Pro Bowl, yeah, there's a. I think there's a combination because definitely there uh, they do they've done a big. Yeah, I know um, there's some uh, participation by the just regular you know people. Yeah, that there's a big. They always have this big push on Twitter. It's you know you hashtag you know Pro Bowl Patriots or whatever for the, like the New England Patriots did that and you retweet it and that's a vote for all their Pro Bowl players and so that's a part of it and then I, I think there's a a. Oh, another way to get in. Like, there's another voting that comes in, but I'm I'm not 100 percent sure. I know the fans get to vote them in, though. All right. Well, obviously it's my bias because I'm an Auburn fan, and but I'm looking at this too from Mark Murphy. He says, as a pro, Daniel Carson has made 23 of 28 field goals from 50 yards or longer, and that's he said he's on track to finish above 90 percent on his overall field goals for a third consecutive season. Yeah. Oh, uh, wow. And then he goes on to say at Auburn, uh, his he holds the record now for career field goal percentages, making eighty point seven percent. As a pro, get this, he is made he's making eighty eight point one percent of field goals, and he still got beat out. Wow, I, I find that remarkable. Right. I mean, obviously, Pro Bowl should be just a uh, one year award and or a one year honor there. And, and Carlson does seem to have about perform, uh, performed. Excuse me. Uh, Justin Tucker this year. Tucker, though, in his career is still at 90.5% from field goal range, and he's hit 56 of 79 uh, from 50-plus, um, which is still an uh, outrageous amount for 50-plus yard field goals. There's some guys that in the NFL that still go like 0 of 4 or 1 of 6, that sort of thing. But Carlson this year uh, does seem to have performed better. Uh, okay. Oh, I just thought maybe uh, that's kind of mindedly better. But it seems to be target should. I mean, Carlson should have made it. But no. So moving on, guys, about uh, the basketball team. You know, I'm reminded quite often by Mr. Tom Peavy, and um, mentioning his name, uh, not to disparage him, but he, he tells me quite often, Steve, these things happen in basketball. Now, with that said, however. Uh, and I'll be glad to talk to Tom, Tom next week when he's back. You know, this should never have happened. And the reason I say that, because uh, I'm afraid this was not an anomaly of what occurred last night. And how do I say that? Because first, they are not, by any stretch of imagination, uh, have more talented 
level players than we do. And they have a brand new coach. Right? Right, Mike White. But, I mean, Mike White's been in the SEC for some time because he was at Florida for a while. Right, but he hasn't been in Georgia. But this is his first year. So he had to get adjusted to new players that he was not familiar with, maybe. Sure. But also, All at the right. same time, you could you could argue that uh, how bad Georgia was last year, you probably wouldn't won a lot of those same players. They they kept the Quindo and but uh, Terry I think was either not playing much for them or was a transfer maybe. I think it was a transfer. So plus when when you go to different uh you know a, a basketball, you know, when you trace when you move uh, as a basketball coach to another school, it's a little bit easier of a transition than a football school because it's not at the I wouldn't say I'm um, Ryan can probably uh you know speak more about this, but I wouldn't think that, you know, picking up different basketball offenses and defenses isn't as hard as learning a whole new scheme in football sure. yeah i would agree with that okay so this is what i'm alarmed by and you guys kind of alluded to it a little bit however mark murphy went into some some deeper analytic statistics and, and i'll just briefly go down when our returning players are doing this badly this to me is a uh, inexplainable and I, i'd love to you know have somebody ask you know the coach i, I saw his you know post-game comments but I'd like to know, why is Rendell like this? His scoring is down from last year. His field goal shooting is down. We're not talking about monumental, minimal. I mean, down significantly. Three-point shooting is down. Rebounding is down. Assists are down. Turnovers have increased. Okay? And this is comparing this year's up to two SEC games compared to last year's up to two SEC games haven't been played. So this is apples to apples. Katie Johnson, his scoring is down. Field goal shooting, down. Three-point shooting, down. Rebounding, down. Assists, up to 1.6 to 1.3. Okay, wow. Turnovers were up. Okay. Uh, Zeb Jasper, his scoring is actually up from 3.4 to 3.1. Not that much, significantly. Field goal shooting is up. Three-point shooting is down. Rebounding is down. Assists are down. Turnovers have improved from 0.2 per game from 1.2 last season. Now, but Steve, these are all comparisons for the first two games of conference play last year versus this year? Is that what correct. Correct, yeah. They See, hasn't gone any past that. So these are, I think, uh, you know, fair comparisons. I Well... They're, they, they're apples to apples in the sense that they're two conference games and two conference games, but I th- also think that's an incredibly small sample size for what sport we're talking about here. I mean, you're talking about two out of 18 conference games or two out of approximately 34 to 35 games that they actually play in the full season. I don't really think that that's a significant sample size. Well, I'm just saying, he, at least he hasn't gone from the entire last season's averages. He's just stopped it at the, the current you know, number of games haven't been played. Well, sure, but I'm just saying that in such a small uh, spurt, I mean, a third game here, if they play well against Arkansas, those numbers will be so dramatically different that they could end up being as good or better uh, in, in three games. And Granted. Uh, so, so, you, I mean, so, what, you have, what you're saying has merits. Excuse uh, me interrupting. However, I'm just alarmed that our returning, you know, seasoned players 
are regressing. Sure. And I mean, look, there's no there's no argument there. I mean, Brant and I discussed that thoroughly in the, in the first segment of the show that these guys that were are upperclassmen that were the third and fourth best players on the team last year were expected to step up and potentially be the best players on this year's team or at least improve in some ways. And and look, overall for the year they have not. I mean, if I was just going to use the the simple sample of the the entire year's played so far and, and Wendell Green Jr. last year averaged 12 12 a game. This year, he's averaging 12 and a half a game. Uh, last year, he shot 37% from the floor. This year, he's shooting 38% from the floor. And from three last year, he shot 31.7. This year, he's shooting 29.4. So he either is the same or slightly worse or slightly better. I mean, it's basically the same as last year, but the issue is he's he and Katie Johnson need to be even bigger impact players than they were last year, and they're the exact same or maybe even a little worse. Okay, so that having said, I want to ask you um, this, these questions to you guys. You know, I think the three-point shooting is abysmal. Uh, I agree. Statement, and I think they need to stop it as much as possible. You know, uh, don't do it. But what I saw last night, and it's been going on, is we are just uh, horrendous or inept at the rim. I must have seen four or five attempts of people uh, around the rim trying to make shots and he wouldn't go in. Yeah. And yet, what did I see? I would see with no almost almost no no difficulty with Georgia's players going right behind our players and making dunks and layups. Yeah, it's that that's one of the big things is, you know, you sit there and you you watch the game or you listen to the game however you're taking it in, you hear and see, you know, attempt after attempt under the basket offensive rebound nothing's going down you got to take advantage of those second chance points because that that's that's a really key key stat in the game is you you've got to take advantage of those second chance points because near like you know georgia did last night they they got they won the rim they won the rim on the offensive end and auburn could have had a much better night on the floor if they had uh, had a few more of those go down but you you've got to be able to get those to fall you got to get those those second chance points to fall and what's the explanation, guys? I, I, I'm not smart enough to know. Um, well, what, what do you think explaining these kinds of ineptness? I mean, and we saw lazy passes. I saw lazy passes. I said, what are you doing passing like that, you know? Or, uh, and I loved Janiah Broom, but at times he's like he, he had butterfingers, you know? Uh, they'd come and just steal the, the ball from him, his hands. Uh, then we saw people looking like they knew what to do. They'd pass the ball around, pass the ball around, pass the ball around. Come on, somebody, you know, make it up to go to the rim, and they wouldn't do it. Guys, what explains this kind of level of lack of chemistry and ineptness? Because well, maybe I was falsely encouraged when I saw them how they played against you know the Israeli teams. Uh, please, um, I'm rambling here. Uh, I, I I can't make sense of what I saw last night. Sure, I mean I, I so. I think it'll be very important to see how they come out uh, at home against Arkansas. And again, some of this, remember, Auburn dealt with not this, but a form of this last year when they would play at home like the best or one of the five best teams in the country, and they would go on the road and they look a lot more human. And so I think that a lot of the issues when you have more turnovers and when you take bad shots is you kind of pressing on the road and falling victim to being down in a game, uh, victim to the crowd. And this is an issue that unfortunately, well, or fortunately or unfortunately, a lot of teams deal with on the road. Teams uh, feel very good when they can go 500 or a little better on the road throughout the year. I mean, it is completely different to play on the road. That doesn't mean you can't win one on the road. Doesn't mean you can't uh, ever uh, play a good game on the road, but 
it means the crowds and being away from home do matter. And so what's clear is this team is already not a very good offensive team. And so you already move it from Neville Arena where they play a little better uh, on offense and you take it on the road where teams traditionally play worse. Uh, sometimes it could get ugly, and it, it certainly did last night. Well, I'm hoping that, you know, the coach is obviously smarter than I am, but some bloggers uh, reading their comments saying it's not maybe the coaches. Uh, issue that maybe some of these players are just not coachable. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, look, I think you can always put some uh, some blame to go around here. And, and look, I think that Bruce Pearl's clearly proven himself to be a really good coach, so my first instinct is not going to be uh, to put a lot of it on Bruce Pearl. Some of these guys, we've got to remember, you know, Wendell Green Jr., who they're asking, obviously, a ton from, he's originally an Eastern Kentucky guy. So out of high school, this guy was not supposed to be a big-time uh, power conference college basketball player. He obviously played really well at Eastern Kentucky, caught the eyes of a lot, including Auburn, and is now here. But, uh, you know, in the scheme of things, Wendell Green Jr. is probably still playing well above the anticipated uh, performance coming out of high school. And so sometimes there's limits on what guys are actually going to be able to do. Um, And I think you're finding that these guys were really good as role players or key role players, but no one's able to step out as the go-to guy or as the best player on the team. And when they try to do that, they then have more uncharacteristic turnovers, bad shot selection, and that sort of thing. And I thought that's what you find out during coaching, you know, uh, during the off season. And then, you know, uh, speaking of uh, the road games versus home games, you know, we struggle to barely beat Florida at home, right? That Florida loses on their home court this past week. Right. That was not a good sign. Yeah. Yeah, that was not a good sign. And then I saw last night one heck of a game. Uh, UConn loses to the who? The Friars of Providence. Right. And then Purdue loses at home. Purdue. Right? Yeah. Uh, So I couldn't make sense of those kind of outcomes. Yeah, sometimes, though, I mean, again, that's why I'm saying, Steve, too, back to the thing, and we are about out of time here. Sure. But uh, that's why I said the one or two games are not really a fair sample size, even if they are comparing uh, games from last year to games to this year or that sort of thing, because that's why they play – 30 to 35 and that's why they have all these tournaments and that sort of things because usually one particular game anything can happen the probabilities are way different of what can happen and because you're ultimately trying to put a a ball in a goal your athleticism is something that usually is more consistent you're always going to usually run faster than someone else if you're faster than them you're going to be stronger than them if you're stronger than someone else but you can't guarantee that you're always going to make when you're talking about 30 and 35 percent of the time something happens you're not always going to make those 20 and 25 foot shots at the same rate each and every time because that that just requires more variables there about defense and about how well you're playing that night and where you're shooting and what you know and all that so there's just more variables and in the sport of basketball and so that's why you know we see these teams lose a random game that we think surely there's no way they should have lost that game well it doesn't mean they're all of a sudden a bad team or that they're not capable of great things is that well you play 30 or 35 of these in a sport with more variables and you're going to get more variable outcomes from time to time well one comment left some people have been making these observations saying that coach pearl is too loyal to fault is that something that you guys are, are, are thinking or seeing? 
That's interesting. I mean, uh, certainly giving uh, guys that uh, have been in the program a long time a, a longer leash, so to speak. I mean, that that could be true. However, my simple rebuttal would be what freshman or what younger guy uh, that has so-called not earned as much trust from Bruce Pearl is truly deserving of many more minutes. Like, have, are you really going out there and saying that Chance Westry needs to be given 20 minutes a game or that Yoan Traor has impressed you in the time that he's been out there? I think the problem is is that there's really no obvious solution to, okay, well, this guy's not playing well, put the other guy in. Well, the other guy's not guaranteed to play well either. He's had his own struggle. So I, I understand that he's definitely given some long rope to some of these older guys, but it's also because at least the older guys have – performed in at least a positive manner at some point in their Auburn tenure, wherever, whereas these younger guys, when they've been given these opportunities, they've really just not shown much. All right. All right. Well, you know, I hope that what you're telling me is, you know, the more maybe, I guess, the, the, the more appropriate interpretation of what happened last night, because I, I, I mean, I was uh, shocked, to say the least, okay? And so I'm, I'm hoping this is not – an indicator of future trends that will not change because I, I saw this well, I read the comment and then I heard uh, Janiah Broom say these, these, these things are all fixable uh, they probably are all fixable but will they be fixed we don't know do we we don't know and that could be a whole other conversation if because uh, we talked about, again, with me and Brant, I don't know how much of the offensive woes are fixable. In my personal opinion, they're, most of them are not fixable. I mean, they, they can fix not taking bad shots. I mean, that is something just, hey, simply if you've missed a couple threes, don't keep taking them. That is fixable. But also at the same time, they're a 29% shooting three-point team. You're not going to fix it in that you're going to start making a bunch of them because I, uh, clearly they're just not going to be a good three-point shooting team. So uh, we could have a debate on fixable or not fixable. I think some things are, some things aren't. Are free throws fixable? Because we're horrendous still. <sighs> I, I mean, it should be. Uh, it's something that you, if you work a lot on, you'd think to get better. But at the same time, LeBron James, one of the greatest basketball players in the history of the sport, is a 70% foul shooter. And I guarantee you LeBron is in the gym constantly, and he still can't make more than 70 or 71% of his foul shots. So maybe free throws just aren't. I don't know. Okay, well then that tells me we can't win games with free throws then. Probably not making a high rate of them. I wouldn't think so. Okay, thank you for your time. Always, guys. I appreciate you. all have a safe afternoon and evening, and I look forward to talking to you all tomorrow. Until then... War Eagle, no matter what else happens. War Eagle, Steve, we appreciate that phone call as always. That is retired War Dam Steve on our Auburn Bank phone line. We are out of time in hour number one. Daryl from Auburn is up next. Daryl, hang on the line. You'll be first up in hour number two with Brooks and Brant. My name is Ryan. Out of time in hour number one. More sports call after this. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. 
It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two, getting underway of Sports Call here on this Thursday afternoon. Ryan LaVoy, Brent Daughtry, and Brooks Childress with you here. Having fun after hour number one, which was a little less fun just because of the topic matter of uh, Auburn basketball losing in Athens last night, but nevertheless having good conversation with retired Ward AM Steve there in the first hour. As promised, let's go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to open up hour number two. Daryl from Auburn. Daryl joins us. Daryl, good to see you again. Hope you're doing well, well today. You see me through this phone? Well, I'm at good to talk to you, but uh, <laughs> I do not see I'm not see a visual you. kind of guy. I don't watch TV. And uh sound like, uh, yeah, I'm just like the blind person. I listen to everything on radio. Uh sound like uh, our guys had a tough uh, working environment in Georgia. Sound like the home crowd was really up for it. Yeah, everyone's uh, home crowd is always a pretty hostile. And uh, from Georgia's point of view, since uh, Katie Johnson used to play at Georgia, they kept booing him every single time he got the basketball. So that was probably the little uh, different element to that. Well, you know, and you addressed some of uh, the thoughts I had concerning uh, uh, retired board M. Steve's comments or whatever. Um you know, I'm not a sports kind of guy. I've always started listening to watching basketball last five years or four years, second year that Luis Pearl was here. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of SEC and basketball to be played, and I think it's just a good to have a little wake-up call to our weaknesses, and I think the coaching staff is going to do a great job working on those weaknesses. You know, what do you think? Well, we, we certainly hope so. We know that there is a lot of work to do with this team, and uh, some of those struggles have kind of persist, persisted all year. So they're they're very aware of some of their offensive struggles, and uh, I do think always playing on the road will highlight those those struggles and problems a little bit more. So just because playing at home can be such an advantage, and Auburn has a great home crowd that that helps them out tremendously. So uh, I think any road game is going to be uh, very much a big barometer of how this team is coming along. And defensively, they're still a well-regarded team, but most of these problems are offensively. Okay, well, I'll be honest with you. Uh, last night was the first time I listened to a bas- the basketball game. You know, I, I, I'm I'm sorry, I'm not a good fan. You know, at the first of the season, it starts getting in the SEC. I start paying attention. Um, sure. And then I got one, huh? I said that's that's fine. Sure. Okay, and uh, you know, I'm I'm sure we'll overcome our struggles. I think I'd rather be early in the season than late in the season. Like anything, uh, right? And I got one more stupid question. Go for it. Can you answer it? I will see. We're gonna try. Uh, is Sonny Smith not gonna be the color commentator anymore? So fair question. Uh, it was Joe Champy on the call last night. Uh, so I, I'm not sure why Sonny was not in Athens. I know that in general, uh, he is with 
uh, with the team for all the home games and the road games are always a question mark because he doesn't like to travel long distances at his age, which is perfectly fair. Uh, mm-hmm. Athens is not as far out though, so I would have thought he'd been there, but I'm I'm not I'm not sure uh, why he was not. I still anticipate him doing at minimum all the home games. Cool means. Uh, I, mean, I love and respect Coach Champy, but uh, Sally just even in a downturn event, he just has that air or humor about him that keeps you entertained even during a despite uh, a bad loss or, or, or things that aren't going our way if you know what I mean sure. and then yeah. Coach Champy I mean he was great but he's so light voiced and you know, <laughs> it just wasn't the same for me. You know. Yeah, I think everyone. I think everyone loves uh, Sonny Smith. That's for sure. And there's always a, a lot of talk about some of the funny things he says, and uh, he does uh, make the broadcast humorous from time to time. Okay. Well, like I said, you know, you can always spin on me for dumb questions, uninformed questions. But, that was that was not a dumb question at all. Uh, I had uh, I had forgotten to say yesterday that Joe Champy would be uh, doing color for that, and so. Uh, yeah, that is always for the road games. That's always very much a question. But uh, again, Sonny should be uh, here for all the home games. So you're responsible for me not being prepared for Sonny Smith not to call the game. Sure, right? you can blame me. Sure, okay. I'll, I'll take the blame. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. You're doing a good job. Uh, and then, uh, uh, and I was listening. I have to tune my radio to another station. You know, I was listening listening for Sonny Smith, and then you know. Andy Bertram, he's got that kind of neutral voice, but I can always tell when I'm turning into 93.6, you know, when I hear Sonny, you know, and then I heard Coach Champy, which I have great respect for him. He was a great uh, women's basketball coach back in the 80s. Uh, and uh, anyway, well, next time you tell us when the color commentator is, uh, you know, if Sonny's going to be calling the game on Saturday. Uh, I, I'll have to double check that. I again, I don't know the the exact reason why uh, he was not in Athens. If it was just too far of a trip or, or that sort of thing, uh, I do know Auburn is at home Saturday, so my guess is that Sonny would be on the call. But uh, I do not know that at this moment. Okay. Well, my first thought was, as with anybody of well, it's older than I am, uh, that there may be some health concerns. I'm I'm just relieved that uh, we're not having any there. Yeah, absolutely. Not not that I'm aware of. Okie dokie. Well, I'll let you go. That's all I got to say. Well, we, appre- uh, we appreciate that phone call. That is Daryl from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Uh, if you want to give us a call, 334-887-34, locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Yeah, um, Auburn basketball last night. Not a, not the best performances. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah. I, I mean, there's... This, I think Daryl brings up a good point. Like you'd rather have the struggles early in the season yeah. than late, and, and there is time to get this stuff corrected. Oh, yeah. The problem that, that I think we've seen is there's just you've seen them have these problems over and over. You know, this is not a this is not like the season has just begun and these are just now problems that are arising. These are uh, these are problems that we've seen uh, yeah. for for about 15 games now. Uh, you have to wonder: Is there any fix in them? And I hope there is. And like, like, uh, like Daryl said, he's a really good, Bruce Pearl is a really good coach. Yeah. And I think with uh, with the way that he can coach, I think he can get these fixed. I just, you know, I, I have 
I, I'll be interested to see if he can in the time that we have. The good news for Auburn is you, you look at the upcoming schedule. You've got number 13 Arkansas coming into town this weekend, which is a super tough game. Arkansas is a really good basketball team. After that, you've got Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, South Carolina, Texas A&M before you hit that, uh, that Big 12 game. And in theory... Those are all winnable games. They're all very the, winnable the toughest, games, yeah. The toughest one I can see is that LSU game. Yes. Is LSU, uh, they, they came out of the, the gates pretty good, and then they, they just lost to Kentucky the other night, very close loss in Lexington. But all of those are, in theory, winnable games for the Tigers outside of that Arkansas game, which at home you would still think the Tigers have a chance to, to uh, beat Arkansas at home. Yeah. But you've got to stretch. And then, like I said, then you've got that West Virginia game at the end of the month, um, which they're a middle-of-the-road Big 12 team this year. Then you've got Georgia at home again before you get back into those tough games where you got Tennessee coming to town um, or going to Tennessee at the 1st of February. So you've got a real good stretch here in the month of January after this Arkansas game of a lot of winnable games. And if you can get the ball rolling, uh, you could start. if you can start improving with this Arkansas game, maybe not necessarily get the win, but if you can show improvement in this Arkansas game and then build that going through January, you're going to, one, build up a lot of confidence in yourself, and two, you can rack up some wins here. They're not all going to be, you know, quad one uh, big, big-time wins, but you can rack up some wins that's going to build confidence going into this tough uh, tough February and into March. Yeah, I think the problem with that, though, is you know how we looked at all those games and go, oh, those games are now are, are very winnable. I think those teams are now looking at Auburn and saying the same thing. That Auburn game is a very winnable game because Auburn is just not up to snuff this year. Uh, and they're going to be more of a it's going to be more of a toss up with these games that are, you know, not a big deal that would typically be not as big of a deal. Uh, now those are going to be those figure to be very competitive games. Yeah, and I I, I look at Auburn's schedule just as a whole, uh, and games like Arkansas will be very important at home because um, as they try and keep building a resume, I guess, and and anytime you're not ranked, and if Auburn loses to Arkansas, they won't be ranked coming in the next week. Then you start wondering at this time of year uh, what you might have to do. Uh, eventually down the road to make the NCAA tournament. And I look at the road games Auburn has, and if you assume Georgia elevates themselves to a middle-of-the-pack SEC team, maybe around the 7th or 8th, maybe the ninth best SEC team, then the road games you look at, uh, and I'll just go through all eight of them here real quick, they're at Ole Miss next week. That really needs to be a win. Ole Miss is one of the two or three worst teams in the league. Uh, Auburn needs that one. They'll have an at-LSU game in the midweek, January 18th. That seems difficult. Not impossible, but difficult. They're then at South Carolina. That's another one with Ole Miss. They need that one. South Carolina's not good. They, they really need to win that game uh, at South Carolina. Uh, we won't count West Virginia because it's not a conference game. At Tennessee just does not seem like a, a win, a winnable game. Uh, at A&M is still a winnable game. Uh, I don't know who will ultimately be favored. The, again, that's eight or nine games away, but that's a game that it's possible. Uh, very could be much a jump jump up. Maybe Texas A&M can remember their jerseys at home. Maybe they can. Mm. Yeah, maybe they've got them stored in the proper place. That's that's a story we haven't talked about at all. That I feel like we should at some point. We can get to that in just a little bit. Um, Auburn at Vanderbilt, uh, another game Auburn really can win. I mean Vanderbilt again with South Carolina, Ole Miss. Those are, in some order, my bottom three teams in the SEC right now. And then at Kentucky feels difficult. And then the final one on the road of the year at Alabama seems uh, very difficult, yep. to say the least. So 
My point is the very next road game for Auburn is one of the three that I would be tempted to fa- – I would still favor Auburn. In. Yes, I'd still favor them in three more road games. I'd favor them at Ole Miss, at Vandy, and at South Carolina. Maybe favoring them at my own peril, fine. But I'd still favor them there. I think there's a very much a 50-50 game at A&M. And then I think the other four would be in the they're not favored category with a couple of them being uh, very minimal chance. And so I say all that to say is – I, I, it's going to be difficult to get more than three road wins out of this team. And so you start thinking about the reverse of that and say, okay, you can't really lose more than three at home. Well, Arkansas is one of the ones you might lose at home, okay? Say, uh, and one thing about this Arkansas game, too, just to interrupt you real quick, is this is your only shot at Arkansas this year, too. You don't, right. like you just read off the away games, there's no return trip to Fayetteville. Right. This is your only shot at the Hogs this year. And so notable tough home games for Auburn, besides the Arkansas game, just read the top ones. Uh, they will have host Alabama. They're not guaranteed to beat Alabama even at home. Alabama's quite good. Auburn is quite good when they're at home. So I'm not saying who's favored or who's not. I'm just saying that one is not a given. Uh, hosting Missouri this year might not be a given. Uh, they've already beaten Kentucky this year, top 25 team for now. And then you have a Tennessee team in the last game of the year. That Those two games in March, Alabama and host Tennessee, it's a tough way to end for Auburn. So – the, the point of the matter is I found you three SEC games at least at home that are going to be quite difficult. And so if you're only getting about three road wins, then you really can't lose more than three at home because if you're 9-9 nine and nine in the league, Auburn would, would finish with 19 wins on the year. Should be enough to make tournament. If you start going less than that, I'm not guaranteeing you an NCAA tournament at that point. So I know we're a long way away from that, uh, but just – Starting to look ahead a little bit. Uh, you're right, Brooks. So Auburn can get this one in Arkansas against Arkansas. Excuse me. I think they're going to stay ranked. I think it's a big win for them. If they play close, let's see how next week goes against at Ole Miss and host Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State maybe a week ago would have been a concerning game, but they've been pretty terrible the first couple of SEC games. Mississippi State, another team that you only get to see once this year. You get them, and you get them at home too. There's right. there's quite a few teams that Auburn's gets to play once this year, and you get them at home. Missouri is one of them. Florida was one of them. Uh, Arkansas, Mississippi State are both. You get them at, you only see them once, and you get them at home. Everybody else, I think, you know, Vanderbilt and Kentucky are the two that you're on the road against. But you've got three games, three SEC games there that you only get one shot at those teams, and they're in Auburn or they are in Auburn. And you got to take advantage of that opportunity. And again, I mean, if you're looking way ahead, I know we're only halfway through the season and only two games in the conference play, but uh, Mississippi State might be the type of team that might join you on the bubble. Uh, again, they're 11 and three, just like Auburn. I know they're struggling more than Auburn is right now. So State could really nosedive and, and end up five and 13 in the SEC or something like that. But for now, because we're, we don't know what we don't know yet, uh, that Auburn Mississippi State game might be important for. Uh, bubble priority if it gets down that Auburn might still end up being 10 and 8 in the SEC uh, winning all but one or two of their home games and winning a few road games I mean completely fine not even close to the bubble Uh, but just a little bit maybe the panic meter at least registering finally uh, that you do lose a pretty decisive loss at Georgia is a very inauspicious way to begin uh, SEC play on the road let's go ahead and take our first time out of our number two when we come back, more to do. We've got Sports Calls Player of the Week coming up here in the 4 o'clock hour. We also have birthdays and sports at some point as well. So stay tuned. This is the Thursday edition of Sports Call.
Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call here on this Thursday afternoon. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Brant Daughtry with you here. We've talked a lot of Auburn basketball. We're about to change it up here in just a little bit uh, as they uh, struggled in Athens last night, falling to the Georgia Bulldogs 76-64. We'll have more conversation about a Georgia team in a little while. Uh, however, that will not be the basketball team, although they're off to a good start. Uh, their football team plays in a rather important football game uh, coming up in just a few days, so we'll start to preview that in a little while as well. But first, we have not done this yet today. It's time for Birthdays in Sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports presented by Max Credit Union. couple of Auburn birthdays today to start you out. Darvin Adams turns 33, wide receiver for the Ottawa Redbacks. Red Blacks, excuse me. Adams was an All-State selection in Georgia in 2007 and signed with Auburn in 2008. After redshirting, became a starter in 2009. And 2010 was a central piece of Auburn's national title run in the 2010 SEC Championship. He set the record for receiving yards in the contest with 217. He now plays in Canada, as mentioned, where he is a two-time All-Star and two-time Grey Cup champion. That is their championship game, for those that don't know. Darman Adams turns 33 today. The catch that I remember most, and I, I can remember some deep balls that he caught, but the mo- maybe the most important catch no one talks about it was fourth and, I don't know, about seven or eight at the Alabama 38, 40-yard line, something like that. Cam Newton lined up like he might do a pooch punt, and he then threw the ball to the left side to Darvin Adams along the sideline for a very critical first down. Auburn would go yep. on to score, throwing it to Philip Lutzenkirchen to take the lead that they would not relinquish. But a lot of people forget about that critical fourth down play. Darvin Adams was the receiver on that play. War Eagle. Really, really good player. And uh, glad that he's he's still playing. You know, here we are, what, 12, 13 years later yeah. now. Successful career in the Still playing CFL. professional football in the CFL. Another Auburn uh, former great, Joe Cribbs turned 65. Former Auburn and NFL running back Cribs was a standout at Solgit High School in Alabama. Played collegiately at Auburn. War Eagle. After backing up other tailbacks in his first two seasons, Cribs notched over 1,000 yards as a junior and a senior and was SEC Player of the Year in 1979. Was drafted in the second round of the 1979 draft by the Buffalo Bills and was named an All-Star as a rookie. The only rookie to be named an All-Star that season. He played professionally for eight seasons and was a three-time Pro Bowler and a one-time All-USFL selection. The great Joe Cribbs turns 65 today. Alex English turns 69. English was born in South Carolina, played college basketball in Columbia from 1972 to 1976. He scored a record 1,972 points and was only the third player at the school to record over 1,000 rebounds. Two-time All-American for the Gamecocks, drafted in the second round of the 1979 draft by the Milwaukee Bucks. 
played 15 seasons in the National Basketball Association for four different teams. He was an eight-time All-Star and an NBA scoring champion. His number 22 is retired by South Carolina, and his number two is retired by the Denver Nuggets, and he was inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame in 1997. Alex English turned 69 today. Yeah. No for the Gamecocks, okay. It, it's it's Gamecock hate day. That is true. Auburn women's basketball tonight in Columbia. Good call, Brooks. And last but not least, Von Grissom turns 22 today. Second baseman for the Atlanta Braves. Maybe soon to be shortstop for the Braves. Grissom hit 389 and had a ERA of .082 as a high schooler. That's pretty good. Was drafted by the Braves in the 11th round in 2019. Skipped AAA entirely when he was called up by the Braves in August of last year where he became the Braves starting second baseman as rookie he hit 291 with five home runs and 18 ribeye stakes Vaughn Grissom turns 22 today please be really good I'm going to say too much of the chagrin of a few Braves fans he's he's a he seems to be like he can be a good player but to much of the chagrin of some some Braves fans he is uh, about to probably about to be the starting shortstop the Atlanta Braves. A lot of people didn't want that to be. They wanted him to be on the team, of course. Nothing against Grissom. They just wanted a different shortstop in that position that is now going to be playing shortstop for the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, that is true. And uh, I – look, he, he did a good job phys- uh, filling in for uh, Ozzy Albies uh, last year. And uh, it just makes you wonder if he had – if Albies never gotten hurt, Grissom never got called up, if the sense of urgency for Atlanta would have been a little bit higher. Uh, but we will never know. It panned out the way that it has. Those are the birthdays in sports today presented by Max Credit Union. We're going to go ahead and take our next break of the show today. More sports call coming up after this. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. the sports call here on this thursday afternoon ryan brant and brooks with you here I want to remind you that the sports call podcast is brought to you by coca-cola if you ever miss sports call live or if you want to hear something again make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast enjoy an ice cold coca-cola to go along with the hottest sports talk coca-cola taste the feeling Again, also a reminder that all of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Give us a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-341 locally 
or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. Auburn Bank is our proud sponsor of the sports call phone line. All right, uh, we usually do this segment a little bit earlier in the week, uh, but we don't want to let the whole week expire before uh, we get to this. It's time to unveil Sports Call's new Player of the Week. Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver Mike Evans is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Evans logged the game of his career in Sunday's win over the Carolina Panthers, catching 10 passes for 207 yards and all three of Tom Brady's passing touchdowns. The yardage total is only two yards behind Evans' career high. Evans also caught two touchdowns of over 50 yards in the game, becoming the first Buccaneer to ever accomplish the feat. With the 200-yard performance, Evans logged his ninth consecutive season with over 1,000 receiving yards, the first player ever to begin a career with those marks. He also scored his 500th point, putting him at third in the all-time franchise scoring charts. With the win, Tampa Bay has secured the NFC South for the second year in a row and locked in their spot in the playoffs. Mike Evans is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Thank you very much to Brent for recording that one. And uh, There was some next-level research on the points and franchise history marks and all that. That was some good stuff. Yeah, I can't remember where I pulled all that from. That's not all, like, information that I looked up, but it's uh, it's in the articles that I use, and... Uh, yeah, look, Mike Evans has been a really good player for a really long time, and, and on Sunday he just showed again why he is is such an outstanding player. And, uh, you know, he's – I remember him at Texas A&M being just absolutely terrified of him because he was massive, and then he – you know, then he's in the NFC South, so I have to deal with him more. <laughs> but, yeah, he's a really good player, and, and you know, the, the – the most consecutive thousand-yard seasons to start a career, even though you know you feel like he's been in he's been in the league for nine years now. It's tough to say that he's starting his career, but still, uh, I think he's in his prime still, and uh, he's a really really good player and uh, well deserved this week. Yeah, first Mike Evans memory. I, I know he was on the 2013 uh, or excuse me the 2012 A and M team, which was the first Manziel year. Uh, but for whatever reason, I I really started to remember him and latch on him in 2013 and that was the year AM obviously had the bigger expectations Manziel had already won the Heisman and he was back and everything and in AM's 49-42 loss to Alabama that year in College Station I can just recall Mike Evans just running down the sideline just over and over and over again I think he had like 240 yards in that game uh, and that was obviously an offense heavy game to lose at 49-42 um, but uh, he's been uh so consistent for Tampa, obviously, and part of that you got to have good injury luck. And he's only missed a few games here and there over his nine years, obviously. And a lot of people had been talking uh, not not bad about him, but just wondering what was wrong with the Brady to Evans connection because that was a guy that had double digit touchdowns when Brady got there, uh, and they had connected very well the previous two years. And he only had three touchdowns this year coming into last week. And well, they went and found three more and. He's now, just with that 200-yard game, you mentioned Brent getting over 1,000 yards. He's around 1,100 yards for the year. He's 10th in the NFL in receiving <laughs> this year. It took one big game, and boom, that's where he usually is, and he's back there again. Uh, but uh, the Bucks and Panthers playing that critical game uh, in Raymond James Stadium last weekend. And uh, Mike Evans, Tom Brady having big days. Mike Evans, our sports call player of the, of the week. Uh, Brooks, you like Mike Evans? He's pretty good. I, I got a question to ask, though. Sure. Uh, you know, the, the phrasing on his record was, like, most 1,000-yard seasons to start a career. Correct. He's nine seasons in, right? Yep. How how long into a career can you technically say starting a career? I mean, well. Because, like. I mean, until that record, until he stops having 1,000-yard seasons, I guess. 
Yeah, because I mean, I know what you mean. Like, obviously, like, no one if, nine years in is starting their. I'm gonna career. say, what what if he's like got the nine nine like this year, and then said after this year, I'm done. Is right. it still the to nine start to start his career? his career, even though it's kind of ending? If if it were to happen, I don't know. I don't feel like he's retiring anytime no, soon. No, I could I'm be not wrong. saying I'm not saying he is, but I'm right. saying like if, if like how far in can we you know say start a career? Uh, I, well, I mean, he is starting his career. He's been doing it since he was a rookie. So, I mean, most consecutive. I think because there have been there like, have been other guys who have had nine one thousand yard seasons in a row, but that does not include their rookie not, year, yeah. or they they broke it they broke it up somewhere between where they are now and the the beginning of their and career. And I I understand like in in a normal business world, you could say, oh, you're you know you're just starting your career. You're only nine years in, but like NFL, like nine years is kind of like right. your middle to it's late middle. More than the average. Yeah. Way so more it's, than the average. It's like if you're you know. And if you're, you know, what, like 58 and you're, you know, in a, in a corporate job and you're just like, oh, well, he's had the most sales to start his career and he's 58. And he's been doing this since he was 24. Is that like that? that well, does that work? But, like, so how do you want it to be turned? I don't know. I don't know. I just to had a begin, problem with it. Is begin still the same too similar of terminology? I feel like start and begin are synonyms. Yeah. In a career? So, most Because then it's, it's not, not the most in a career, though. And it, it, and the, I think it's Jerry Rice that has the most consecutive during a career. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. Maybe, I, it's it's it, got to be it, worth it. It makes I'm, the most sense of how it is, but it also doesn't make sense in my in in my weird brain. Yeah, just, Mike Evans is a great wide receiver, though. Ten receptions, two hundred seven yards, three touchdowns. Doubled his uh, touchdown receptions in one game. Like, and lock got helped him lock up the division this weekend. Like. Man, there, there's not many wide receivers out there. Help show that Brady is not noodle arm, contrary yeah. to <laughs> the belief that started to started to circulate here. Oh, so there's there's not a lot of uh, wide receivers that can do it better than Mike Evans in the league right now. Yeah, and uh, I, I also one last thing I'll say on Mike Evans, and we'll get go back to the Auburn phone line is this not really pertaining to a week like this because obviously he got to put up the star receiver numbers for his caliber. He could have been way more selfish the last few years, uh, and he truly valued winning. Um, when you have another quality receiver like Chris Godwin, who is could get to 1,000 yards coming off a torn ACL if he gets like 60 receiving yards on Sunday, and you bring in Antonio Brown last year and everything that he is, and you bring in Brady's best friend Gronkowski at tight end, who you know is going to get the ball, it could have been very easy to take some of these so-called struggles or lack of targets or whatever and say, you know what, just give me somewhere someone's going to throw it up to me 20 times a game and I can go I can go be like Tyree Kill and something and I can go get 10 catches a game and, and all these touchdowns. And to a degree, Evans has still put up great numbers, right, because of the nine consecutive 1,000-yard seasons to begin a career. Um, but there's still a element to it where he has had to share with some other receivers where other receiving cores are not going to be as talented to have Antonio Brown as your number three wide receiver for a period of time. So I uh, do want to shout out Mike Evans for not being as selfish as some like Antonio Brown could be could be uh, in that receiving core. All right, 334-887-341, locally toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Next up today, Jeff from Columbus. Jeff joins the program. Jeff, how are you doing? Hey, good evening, guys. I'm doing well. Hope you all are, too. We are. All right, man. Uh, I, I guess that Steve's been calling in. I haven't wanted to let him know this information, but I think it's about time. 
you know, you know, with this Pro Bowl thing, you know, and and even with like Jabari Smith falling in the draft, and I mean, just anything that can go bad with the referees and the bad calls. Since the analytics are there, since all the numbers match, there's only one reason, Steve. It's an Auburn conspiracy. It's a conspiracy <laughs> against Auburn. That's all it can be. So, I, I mean, it's a new year, so I'm, I'm starting off just trying to put everything out there just so he won't have to – I mean, what's he say? How do you explain that, guys? How do you explain that, fellas? That's the only way to explain it, Steve. Everything else lines up, so it's got to be a conspiracy. Okay? So, and also, I guess – I don't know why Auburn is spending all their money on the coaches. I mean, all you've got to do is tell that guy, there's the basket, there's the ball, stand at this line, shoot it, and it will go in. Or stand behind this three-point line and shoot it, and it will go in. It's got to. It's that easy. Steve's got to figure it out. So I just, I mean, you could he could save money. Auburn could save money on all their sports. You know, you can tell, hey, Robbie Ashford, throw the ball to that receiver right there. He's wide open. Just throw it. And you block that guy as best you can. Because that's all it is. Guys are, I mean, they're athletes. They're not going to have bad days. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to get the jitters. They're not going to get sick or anything like that. So it's that simple. It's been proven. The numbers are all there. There's no reason for Auburn to be squandering, squandering what, a loss to a dang very bad Georgia team, you know? And I just want – that way we can have Steve talk about more things. Like maybe maybe he can give us, give us give him his own segment. Like movies, you know, we could do movies. Or he does love movies. Yes, or what's happening in the world of sports today, you know? And that way he doesn't have to, you know, have you all, you know, try to figure out – why Auburn lost the basketball game that they should have won or why they lost the football game they should have won because the numbers are all there. But uh, I don't guess I need anything else than that. I just wanted to uh, start the year off right to get Steve, <laughs> to, you know, Steve, Steve calm down a little bit, okay? And I really, I mean, I feel terrible that, dang, what's his name, Carson didn't make the Pro Bowl as a kicker. I bet the whole Auburn fan base is really distraught. But if you would, just step away from the ledges, people, and uh, let's try to make it through the new year without you, okay? Uh, All right. Well, Jeff, that was a great phone call. Appreciate that. Uh, I'll talk to you all later on. Sounds good. That is Jeff from Columbus <laughs> on our Auburn Bank phone line. Thank you, Jeff. Um, yeah. Uh, obviously having some fun uh, with uh, some of Steve's concerns for all right. uh, some of the things he's brought up with Auburn. And uh, – yeah, if it were all that simple, we'd we'd play it on paper, and we would uh, we would we wouldn't have all this. And uh, that's goes back into a larger conversation where uh, <clears throat> humans are not going to be perfect, and yeah. uh, so they're going to not execute things the way that they are capable of every single time. I don't say words as well. Like, just translate it to me. I told Daryl I can see him. I can't see Daryl. I can't see any <laughs> of the callers. I can see Brooks. I can see Brent. We're in a studio together. I can't see anyone that calls. They're not calling from right outside of our studio. So I made a mistake earlier in the show, and we all do that. Um, 
But yes, Steve obviously does have a, a lot of questions uh, about why uh, consistency is not there or about why someone like Daniel Carlson was not there at the Pro Bowl. Sometimes uh, it's fair. Sometimes it's just sports. You know, sometimes it just is a part of uh, of life. And uh, again, uh, Jeff with a humorous take there, <laughs> humorous call on that. Uh, as he said, getting the new year started right. But uh, we do love Steve. We love Jeff too. And uh, that's why we always love the different perspectives, um, just because uh, sometimes things are going to be simple. Sometimes we're going to have more complicated explanations, but uh, certainly did appreciate the phone call there uh, from Jeff. We got to take our final break of hour number two. More sports call coming up after this. Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. segment of hour number two ryan brooks and brant here on this now thursday evening the days they're getting just a little longer the sunshine just a little little something oh you're talking about sunlight yeah i, I mean, was they're like not, you, they're you, still 20 you're talking about the work day like yeah, yeah it's yeah. just dragging on yeah, yeah i miss jj hit, terribly they're getting longer starting to, starting to hit you there a year and a half into your career brant just starting your career <laughs> yeah yeah a year, a year and a half into doing this whole radio thing Days it's like man i drag i can't on. <laughs> i can't wait to uh can't wait to retire yeah man i, I was I just saying because i i remember at 4 30 used to be the the kind of all right this is the point in which you can't really see much outside of our our studio now and now we made it 4 50 and soon we're going to make wow. it to five o'clock, and then it's going to go. We're going to start the third and final hour. To, yeah, and I'm still going to be able to see outside. And then at some point, they're going to, you know, change the clocks on us. Then it'll be the six o'clock, seven o'clock hour, and we're just going to have a party outside. And that's when we Even get the return the of Thunder Chickens. You don't know have to why. do it that much. Yes, yeah. sir. Well, because we're going to get our first win on the field this year. All right. <laughs> He says nervously. Um, it won't be because of me. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we got a couple of little news nuggets to uh, throw out there here with a few minutes left in the hour. Just catch people up to speed on some happenings around the world of college sports. Uh, first, uh, Chris Beard fired today by the University of Texas. Uh, he was involved in uh, what a domestic violence yeah. uh, situation in December where he was booked in the jail 
and uh, appears to have done some uh, not acceptable things. And so he was originally suspended indefinitely by Texas. They uh, decided to relieve him of his duties officially and completely today. So uh, Texas, the number six team in the country coming into this week. They uh, they did give up uh, a buck plus to Kansas State, but uh, still a good basketball team that now has an interim coach and a good basketball program. Uh, they'll be looking for a new head coach. Uh, also, this Jim Harbaugh stuff, uh, rumors that he'd been talking to the Panthers. I wonder if the Panthers had won Sunday in Tampa, if they just would have gone Steve Wilkes' route. But uh, hard to imagine they hire Wilkes, I would think. So they might be talking to Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh having some sort of statement where he imagines that he will enthusiastically be coaching Michigan in 2023 as opposed to boringly coaching Memphis or excuse me Michigan or you know begrudgingly coaching Michigan which, or enthusiastically coaching the Colts right or or the Broncos or the Broncos or, or the Panthers or anyone in the NFL and so uh now we're seeing via Nicole Auerbach that there might be a notice of allegations coming to Michigan Michigan on Friday uh so no idea the scope of those but worth noting that Michigan could be in some hot water with the NCAA. Are there NCAA violations anymore? Yeah. I, I mean, yes. I, but it's supposed to be, but there are sometimes and other times are not. I've said this before a million times. The NCAA is not real. Their rules are fake. And we just, we kind of, they're kind of just there. And we're like, all right, well, let's, let's, let's do things that matter and let them think that they're important. There you go. Uh, Along those I don't lines like the NCAA. with the NCAA uh, was that a couple of days ago, their uh, oversight committee suggested that uh, all NCAA-sanctioned championships uh, have a participation rate of roughly one-fourth of the schools um, that play that sport, which means that in college basketball for the NCAA women's and men's tournaments, they would need to expand their tournaments to roughly 90 teams. Ah, that's uh, quite a few more games. <clears throat> right. Um, well, I mean, for... Bring it on. Uh, it would be more games overall, but for each team, it would potentially just be one more game. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. The tournament's already large, and it's wonderful. Uh, but then, really, you got to look at who you're letting in at that point, and you're letting in some teams around 500 at that point. Some middling majors, as Joe Lenardi likes to talk about. Now, I'm all for the 24-6... and six you know, East Tennessee State Buccaneers that dominated their conference and messed up and lost the conference final to get in. You know, that the very winning program there, and it causes chaos. But uh, as much as I love big tournaments, I do have limits. I'm going to say, there, there's usually only, like, outside of, you know, that, that that type of story that you just said, like, oh, we dominated our small conference and then lost in the tournament, in our conference tournament, so we don't get a bid. There's only about, what, like, eight bubble teams that you're like, all right, this would be fun to have them in. Right. Everybody else, like, if you look at the NIT tournament, there's half of those teams you're like, I, they don't belong in the NCAA tournament. There's a reason they're here. Yeah. So, I mean, I again, like, I, w- I was fired up for uh, college football playoff expansion. Um, I, I do like... Uh, fair participation there. I think 68 teams is fair. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I, I'm not going to say no as a consumer, but just observing the sport, analyzing the sport, I I think we're good. We got a first four product, so you can monetize the the, the four bubble teams now. 
I think they're good, but we'll see. It's something to watch, regardless of our opinions. It's something to watch in the coming years if they think about expansion there. I've read, though, from John Rothstein in the sort that there is not a whole lot of interest with those currently involved in college basketball. Out of time for hour number two. A lot more to do in hour number three, so stay tuned. This is the Thursday edition of Sports Call. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Hour number three underway of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is Sports Call. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Alongside of me today, Brooks Childers and Brent Daughtry. Brooks yo, yo. will have a roughly one more segment with us, and then he will uh, <laughs> be in studio for Auburn women's basketball as they take on uh, <laughs> South Carolina tonight. Wow. I'm going to miss all uh, of you. I'm going to miss every single one of you. Brooks will be back on the show tomorrow. It's going to be okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, But just uh, about one more segment here with Brooks. And that doesn't then you mean I won't hear, miss you all. You can hear Britt Bowen on the call of that. 5.45 airtime over on FM Talk 93.9. 6 o'clock tip from Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina is still number one, correct? They are. Uh, number one, South Carolina versus had a, Auburn. Had a close game with George on uh, Monday, Monday night. They had a pretty close game down in Athens on Monday night. So... Um, you either look at it as Auburn's got a chance or South Carolina's mad. And so, Hope it's not the latter. Hope it's not the latter. <laughs> uh, and so that one coming up, and then that means typically Thursday night, Tiger Talk is typically on 93.9. That means if you stay tuned right here, Tiger Talk will be on 95.9, obviously right where we are. And uh, that will be at 6 o'clock again as usual. So again, on Tiger 95.9, Tiger Talk, if you're looking for that in just about an hour. But uh, we've already been through two hours of the show today. Here is what you may have missed. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. (sighs) Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things... On the show so far today, we've had a few of our fine callers. We've had Daryl from Auburn, retired Wardian Steve, and Jeff from Columbus. We have uh, talked a little bit about Sports Call's Player of the Week, which was Mike Evans for his big performance in a division-clinching win for the Bucks last Sunday. We've uh, talked a lot about Auburn basketball, though. I think that's been the biggest theme of the show today. Auburn's uh, rough performance in Athens last night, losing by double digits. Game I. Thought Auburn would win by single digits. It turns around about 20 points uh, in the other direction, and Georgia wins that game by 12. So we've talked a lot about that. 
and now we want to get to something we've not yet discussed much this week. Uh, a little bit of an update on Auburn in the portal and uh, Auburn's recruiting process here. Of course, that's always going to be a relevant topic as we go throughout the portal season, really probably till spring practice, honestly. Is that going to need to be updated uh, from time to time? And we'll start with a couple of preferred walk-ons that Auburn uh, has in the fold now for their uh, next rendition of the Auburn football team. A couple of commits here uh, in the last 24 hours. Uh, Will Upton, a uh, wide receiver, uh, has uh, accepted a preferred walk-on offer uh, out of Jackson Prep in Mississippi. A 5'9", 165-pound wide receiver. Uh, so you can imagine he might line up in the slot if he ever works his way up the Auburn depth chart. Yeah, you, you, just from what I've seen from him and the way he's built, he reminds me a lot of Will Hastings. It's probably never going to be like a, a massive threat to anybody, but a guy who can certainly contribute and is very quick and has some really impressive high school stats. And then one more other preferred walk-on uh, last night, John Colvin, the quarterback of Mountain Brook this year up at Birmingham, 6'3", 193, quarterback that appears to be a lefty uh, via his uh, Twitter profile picture. So lefty quarterback out of Mountain Brook, John Colvin has accepted a preferred walk-on. Uh, and so basically they're functionally not a lot to do about, you know, I mean – Preferred walk-on is still a walk-on. They do not have a scholarship. It's just simply – it's like more of a guaranteed roster spot, more of a uh, a right to compete there and that right. sort of thing. Um, that's why you're preferred. You're above the other <laughs> walk-ons. Uh, still without scholarship, but above the other walk-ons. And then – go ahead. Please. I was going to say that Mountain Brook team, if uh, folks weren't aware, went 13-3 and this year, 5-1 and one in, their re- in 6A region, uh, and they made it all the way to the state championship game where they lost to Sarah Land. Two, so five, one, there you go. He is John Colvin's already played some downs of football in Jordan here. That's Stadium. right. Uh, so uh, those two, John Colvin, quarterback out of Mountain Brook, and Will Upton, wide receiver uh, out of the state of Mississippi, preferred walk on to Auburn. Also, Auburn though has uh, several things trying to go on with guys that uh, they're trying to get in the portal. Uh, They've had former Alabama offensive lineman Damian George in for a visit uh, both yesterday and today. They figured to be in the fold there. Uh, Our uh, good friend of the program, Jason Caldwell, tells us that uh, a Georgia State wide receiver transfer, Jamari Thrash, uh, is interested in Auburn uh, after a visit today. Uh, There's also Purdue defensive lineman uh, Lawrence Johnson, who uh, has had a great visit with Auburn. So Auburn conducting visits here uh, during the week. Usually you hear during, obviously, through the football season. Well, that means academics are also going on. So usually those visits take place over the weekend, and you enjoy an Auburn football game, maybe a basketball game too. Uh, But these visits taking place during this week of January before everyone goes back to school. And so uh, the moral of that story, you got some offense alignment, some defense alignment there, another wide receiver, uh, Hugh Freeze has talked about his priorities with the portal. They continue to be offensive linemen and defensive linemen, and that's exactly what Auburn continues to try and bring on campus. Yeah, and I think that's where you need the most bodies. That's where you're going to be very, very thin next year. Also talking to uh, a guy from – I can't remember. Uh, he's from Mississippi State, I think. But uh, No, excuse me. I can't remember where he's from. There's a defensive end in the portal that Auburn's going after really heavy that uh, figures to be 
uh, really in the mix. Apparently, uh, I can't remember. Wake Forest. Wake Forest. Wake Forest. Thank yeah. you. My goodness, that was bothering uh, me. Rondell Bothroyd, if I'm saying that correctly, yeah. who 136 career tackles, 15 and a half sacks at Wake Forest. In yeah, so a, a super productive uh, defensive end, and there or might put him at the edge spot. And that's where Auburn has already brought it. They've already uh, brought in uh, Elijah McAllister, a, a transfer from Vanderbilt at that spot. But uh, Bothroyd has, which is an awesome name, he needs to come to Auburn purely to join the all-name team. That's right. Uh, which Auburn has an extensive history with. Um, I, I think that Bothroyd is going, if he does end up at Auburn, and I think right now Auburn is his front runner, uh, I think he's going to be the starter at that edge spot next year. And uh, you're you're still in talks with Spencer Sanders, the transfer quarterback from Oregon State. You've had a couple of guys that uh, have um, – You've had a couple of quarterbacks come in that you haven't really hit on. Uh, you had Grayson McCall, who ends up going back to Coastal Carolina. Seems like there are some academic issues there. He can't transfer anywhere. So he's going back to Coastal Carolina. And then you had Devin Leary on campus, and then the next day he commits to Kentucky. So you're on to quarterback number three, uh, and that is uh, Devin Leary. So No, no? Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders, my De- goodness. Devin Leary Names are hard. Names are well, hard. Well, the moral story, there's a lot of them out there's, there. Yes, that, there's a lot of quarterbacks, and Auburn wants at least one of them. I would say that's the big one right now is, you know, you're, you're seeing all the, you know, the Auburn's in, con- in contention for the, some O-lines. Some, Sam some Hartman O-line. was in the portal for a little bit, and it was announced that he was going to Notre Dame before he ever entered the portal. The, um... But that that's who that's where I think a lot of Auburn fans are, are anxious to to see because Hugh Freeze has talked about it. A lot of the you know the beat writers we've had on uh, have talked about that. That's a position that Auburn wants to add someone from the portal as a quarterback, and it it's starting to get a, it's it's starting to feel like it, it may get to the be the anxious that uh, a lot of Auburn fans were at before the coordinators were named, where it's like, hey. Great, we're you know in contention for these other guys, but what what are we going to do with quarterback? Uh, are we are we going to get somebody in here? And you, you just continue to roll along. I, I don't think like I, I think that Hugh Freeze and this coaching staff is going to be able to get a quarterback in. Um, much like you know everyone was concerned about the coordinators and two coordinators were hired. Everybody seems to be you know fine with the coordinator hires for at least for now uh, until a football game is played um, and. I think that's what we're at is we're you're anxious about getting a quarterback in from the portal and it's just a matter of of when that's going to happen and who it's going to be uh but that, I think that's the biggest biggest concern a lot of fans have is I know on the football side of things probably not the biggest concern uh if if they believe, you know if the coaching staff believes in Robbie Ashford um but I think from the fan perspective you you'd like to see a quarterback brought in yeah and uh Speaking of that quarterback movement, as you said, Brant, um, Sam Hartman going to Notre Dame is potentially very significant news. I mean, college football. I mean, Sam Hartman is is uh, a very quality quarterback. He's had a very accomplished career at Wake Forest. He made uh, Wake Forest relevant here these last couple of years. Very tough to do. And uh, <laughs> Exactly. And, uh, of course, Notre Dame was losing their starter, Drew Pine, I think is how you said his last name, P-Y-N-E, uh, to Arizona State, which was fishy at the time because you don't, transfer from Notre Dame to Arizona State, but maybe uh, (laughs) bear with me here. I'm going to make some assumptions uh, that maybe uh, Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame discussed with Drew Pine that uh, they were looking for someone else. Uh, Maybe he had discussed that they were looking for someone else better than him and that would be in his best (laughs) interest to leave. And just maybe, just maybe that Sam Hartman before entering the transfer portal officially had maybe had discussions with Notre Dame about being that better quarterback uh, to come into Notre Dame. If reports are to be believed, 
you know yeah yeah that's so what a, what an odd situation that whole, that whole thing is huh yeah well yeah uh so uh notre dame getting their new quarterback there and, and you're right uh back to the grace mccall stuff too i know someone really excited about that, that auburn and florida were excited about but uh, it tells me that he if he's not going to florida either uh it's just not not just an auburn situation here not yeah. just what auburn's offering uh and that sort of thing it's uh, unfortunately grace mccall either just does not have grades up to snuff with the uh, bigger institutions or simply uh what he has been studying at uh, coastal carolina just does not compare i mean just does not translate to these uh these other schools and uh, he's a great quarterback that I, I mean, just objectively speaking, would have been very interesting to see him go up to the Power Five and and uh, go up and play in a big conference against big competition. Because I, I mean, I think he'd still do quite well. Uh, but the reality is, is he is, uh, as you guys said, going back to Coastal Carolina. Uh, as for some of these guys, again, like Auburn has visiting. <clears throat> you mentioned the Wake Forest defensive end, and when you put together uh, a career of 136 tackles, 15 and a half sacks. Uh, that's a productive player. I mean, that that is somebody uh, that could go in and, and absolutely factor in uh, to your depth and and play a, a good bit uh, right away. Obviously, would not have a ton of eligibility uh, left. I assume Bothroyd's been there three or four years at Wake Forest, so it only have a year or two left. But uh, for sure, uh, you know, definitely someone that could absolutely play right away with all that experience. And uh, this, this portal stuff, again, we, we keep talking about it. It will continue to be uh, a talking point. We'll continue to update you every single time Auburn brings someone else into the fold. But they're going to have all these visits. They're going to have a lot of no's. They're going to have some yeses at the end of the day. Another no uh, that might be notable to some uh, was what Dylan Johnson of Mississippi State, uh, which uh, decided to go to Washington. Is that true? Somewhere, somewhere way away. It was <laughs> other side of the U.S. Is all I remember. Uh, somewhere out in the Pac-12. It was a big school, uh, something like Washington. Yep. What? Okay. Uh, was Washington. So uh, that was someone that Auburn had at least gotten a visit from or or had talked to. Uh, I'm running back, not one of the chief concerns for Auburn, but look, quality player at Mississippi State would have absolutely taken him and would have factored in again. Uh, and then we saw, not necessarily related to Auburn, but uh, former number one running back in a class in, I believe, 2019, Trey Sanders, uh, going from Alabama to TCU. Uh, who is decidedly not done playing their football yet. They're one of two teams not to be done playing their football. Uh, and so that will be an opportunity for Trey Sanders. And uh, look, this Sonny Dykes thing, we'll talk more about coaches and all of that in the offseason. And we'll probably do some rankings and we'll have some strong opinions. And I'll be wrong about Dan Mullen again. And that's fine. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, I think you know. he's a perfectly fine analyst for ESPN. <laughs> uh, but Sonny Dykes in his first year at uh, TCU – Hard to do better than what he's done. Yeah. Uh, uh, turning around that program that had been uh, a quality program for a long time under Gary Patterson, uh, but certainly had trailed off a little bit towards the end. And uh, Sonny Dykes has TCU in the National Championship game, and he's going to have a new running back next year in Trey Sanders transferring from Alabama. Got to go to our first break of our number three. Brooks, appreciate you being on the show today. Have fun with Auburn women's basketball tonight. I'll do my best. And uh, hopefully Auburn can hang around in Columbia against number one, South Carolina. Like I said, let's go to our first timeout of our number three. More sports call with Ryan and Brant here in just a couple minutes. Call 
call into the show, send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Like us on Facebook at SportsCallAU. Welcome back to this Thursday edition of Sports Call. Ryan the Boy, Grant Daughtry with you here for another half hour or so. Again, coming up, Tiger Talk right here on Tiger 95.9. That's a change. Usually it's on 93.9. That's coming up here, though, on our on our airwaves at 6 o'clock uh, because Auburn women's basketball back in action tonight in Columbia, South Carolina, 545 airtime. Britt Bowen on the call. That one, Brooks Childress, will be in studio for that. That's why he's departed our program for the evening. Uh, a little bit more news to tell you about. Not that we really know what exactly we're telling you about, but uh, about 15 minutes ago via Twitter, Hugh Freeze with a Yahtzee. War damn eagle and a picture of him holding a fish. Uh, no, I do not think he's proud necessarily of that fish, although that's a large fish, and I'm sure at that moment he was proud. I think he's referring to some sort of commitment that Auburn has just gotten. Uh, all the members of the Auburn beat are quote-tweeting it uh, with some eyeball emojis, so we don't know exactly who Hugh Freeze is referring to at this moment, but it does appear that any moment news could break on another get for Auburn uh, probably in the transfer portal. So we'll keep an eye out on that if we can uh, catch it before we go off air today or certainly tomorrow uh, for the last show of the week. We also got a call uh, just a few minutes ago from retired warden and Steve just to update us that uh, he is seeing that uh, the NFL is uh, not going to end up playing that Bengals and Bills game. Uh, that's something that's been a topic for us this week and a topic for a lot of people. Obviously, first and foremost has been the health of DeMar Hamlin. And uh, now that he is starting to make strides there, the league has been able to start to plan ahead now uh, with what they might do with playoffs and with that game. And it appears uh, they are not going to play that game according to the few news outlets now. And... Uh, I was listening to Adam Schefter today uh, talk about some, you know, various things they could do um, where they could kind of remodel the playoffs a little bit in one of two ways. Let's let's see which one you like more, Brent. Brent, lay it on me. Um, they could, if the AFC Championship game involves the three teams that are involved because of potential seeding, the Bengals the Bills, and the Chiefs. If it's two of those teams playing, they could play the AFC Championship game on a neutral site. Hmm. Um, and, of course, all these rule changes for this year would still have to be voted on by the owners, so there's still have to be some level of improvement here. It's not uh, not really a dictatorship here. There's going to have to be some, some sort of approval. But if it's something like Bills and Jaguars or Chiefs and, and uh, I don't know, Patriots that they make, it, something like that, uh, they would play it at the at the clearly better of the two teams at the higher seed. But if it if it's two of the three, if it's Bills versus Bengals or uh, Bengals versus Chiefs or Bills versus Chiefs, whatever, they could go to a neutral site for the AFC Championship game. Or the other solution here, and again, this this all needs to be ironed out before we get to the playoffs. This will be, all be ironed out here in the next 48, 72 hours, is the top seed 
uh, they will reformat the playoffs to where the top seed gets the choice to either have a bye or have home field advantage, mm. meaning you can't have both like you normally do. Mm. So if the Chiefs, let's just say, because that's the most likely here, now that the Bills can't play that extra game, if the Chiefs win on Sunday and they don't make up that Bills-Bengals game, which it looks like they will not, then the Chiefs will be the one seed with a win. So what they'll ask Kansas City is you can be at home for the entirety of the playoffs, but you have to play this week. The two seed will get the bye. You'll be at home. Or you can get your week off, but you're not going to function as the one seed. The two seed will have the right to be at home if they advance the AFC Championship game. Which one do you like more? Oh, man, I, I don't know. It depends on if I'm the one seed or not, I think. If I'm the one seed, obviously I'd love to have that option. I think I would rather... Well, because if they're playing against a lower seed, it is only if they have to play the two seed that they wouldn't be the home field right. advantage anyway. So, right. the, but, and you know, Kansas City, Kansas City is such a great home field advantage. That crowd is, is such a is such a big factor in the games they play. It's not quite as big as it would be if the Bills were the number one seed, for for instance. But I don't know. I like the uh, I like the neutral site thing. I feel like that messes with everything. Uh, a little bit less that just if it's two of the three teams they go and play at a neutral site that messes with things less than uh than the other solution but there's something so weird about like hey you either have the choice to take that by or play at home there's something so weird about that that i love uh i don't know i don't know i think if i if i if it was you give the option to the number one seed i don't know i think i would rather take that week and function as the number two seed, still having that buy, because even if I have to play the number two, who would be the number two seed right now? I'm guessing Buffalo. Yeah, if uh, if everyone wins, everyone keeps the status quo yeah. this weekend. It'll be Kansas City one, Buffalo two, Cincy three. Okay, I don't know. That's an interesting one it, uh, it, because having to go to Buffalo is such a big deal. Like like I just mentioned, and I don't know if I was Kansas City, you know, Missouri is not. Super north, is not super south, but it's still it's still it, it still gets it cold can have in Missouri. Some terrible weather too. Yeah. I've seen some. Yeah, for sure. Kansas City can have absolutely yeah. nasty weather, but it's not Buffalo, New York. Right. Very few places are. So I I don't. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of layers to this that you have to think about. And then when you also, if you think from Kansas City's perspective, because again, this is the team that would decide under that scenario. They've already played Buffalo in Kansas City, and they lost. Yeah. So, I mean, now you could think of that one of two ways. You could say it really doesn't matter that much at home. Maybe I'd just rather not have as many playoff games and get to rest a little bit. Or you could say, man, if we didn't beat them at home, I really don't know if we're going to beat them on the road. Yeah. So we really need to be at home at, 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 to have this chance. I, it would, I don't know. It, yeah. There's another kind of fork in the road of how you might think about There's that. also the line of thinking of, well, they've beaten us once, but we saw how they beat us, and we can make those corrections in practice. We can right. figure out how they beat us and, and do something to counter that. They have to come up with a counter to what they've already had that works. And it's it's harder to beat a team a second time. Right. Uh, you, you, we've, we've heard that for years talking about the NFL. So there, there's a lot there's a lot to think about here. Yeah, and I mean, again, that's why we wanted to get a few days removed, and I'm sure the league did too, from the actual incident with DeMar Hamlin and make sure that his health was improving. But now that we're hopefully starting to get more on the back side of this and that his at least life is not in doubt, and now we're just wondering about what the quality of life might be, um, there's very real logistical issues here 
And, you know, it doesn't really affect the NFC, but the AFC is very much, I mean, these are, let me put it this way. These are three very deserving teams to not only make a deep run in the playoffs, but potentially win a Super Bowl. And I think if you ask a lot of people, the favorite to win the Super Bowl will be whoever comes out of the AFC regardless, especially with Philly starting to struggle and and having a less than 100% Jalen Hurts in the playoffs because he still might not even play this week. Right. Um, So it's very significant how you treat these teams, uh, and it's a very unprecedented circumstance here. And uh, we talked to Joe Bartle a little bit about it over over a wire. There's obviously fancy issues, which either even take a uh, backseat to these issues, but a lot of stuff people are having to deal with for the first time uh but as uh it, it appears they will not play that Bengals and bills game uh one source also i was lost, uh, listening to adam Schefter earlier today just said quote it would be bad juju <laughs> to try and, <laughs> and play that game um which i mean look i mean obviously incredibly uh difficult circumstance already um avoiding seeing having those memories brought back up might might be good um right. So I certainly understand that that part of it. But uh, it'll be interesting to see here. And, again, uh, Schefter talked about uh, a resolution probably being by Saturday um, before these games are actually played on Week 18. And I think that's necessary. I think you need yes. to know and not be reactionary to how things happen. You need to be proactive in this situation. So uh, maybe there will be news um, on that front. Uh and uh, we will certainly update if it happens uh, tomorrow. All right, let's go ahead and take our next show, or next break of the show, excuse me, winding down this Thursday edition of Sports Call. We'll be right back. The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. back rolling on with hour number three here on the sports call my name is ryan lavoy i got brant dotry with me here for the closing minutes of the show and again we appreciate all those who are listening and tuning in today in various ways either listening live on tiger 95.9 or uh, listening after the fact on the sports call podcast presented by coca-cola or listening on the website or the app tiger, tiger communications app the tiger.fm a lot of ways to listen. Excuse me, easy for me to say. A lot of ways to listen to me not say the words well uh, on this Thursday edition of Sports Call. A few more minutes with you here again afterwards at 6 o'clock. Tiger Talk coming up here on Tiger 95.9 and Auburn Women's Basketball at Notre Dame over on FM Talk 93.9. A few college basketball games of note tonight. Uh, the SEC does not play on Thursday nights. They uh, typically keep to a Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday schedule throughout the week. And, of course, last night uh, we saw uh, three games in the SEC, um, two beyond the Auburn and Georgia game, Texas A&M beating Florida 66-63, and number 13 Arkansas beating number 20 Missouri 74-68. And Brant, 
Uh, you mentioned this uh, earlier in the show. We never really talked about it. We'll talk about it for a couple minutes here. Uh, Texas A&M won 6663, but Ford only scored 62 points in that game. That's true. So why did they end up with 63? Well, Texas A&M uh, forgot their jerseys at the hotel that they were staying at and delayed the game going to get those jerseys and were thus assessed with a technical foul and Florida got a free point before the game ever started. Heck yeah. So they jumped the ball up 20 on the first half clock and it was 1-0 Florida. That is... Uh, Which is such an interesting thing that, that can only happen in a sport like basketball. Yeah. You know how you, you turn the ball over early in football it's like a pick six a couple minutes in and you're like, oh, we just spotted them seven to start the game, that sort of thing. Yeah. Literally spotted them a point. The, the, not, yeah. a, not a thing needed to happen uh, for Florida to start with a one nothing lead. If they had won or lost that game by a point, but, yeah. I would have just... If, if that... If that uh, if that technical free throw, would, man, well, did they even have to shoot the free throw, or were they just given? I don't point? think they did. Not that I saw. I don't. I think they man. were just given a point, and uh, and they still lost. Still lost. Hilarious. Maybe not good news for Auburn that Florida lost on their on their home <laughs> floor with an extra point advantage. Yeah, in a close game either. So um, we'll see. We will see. Very early in conference play, a lot to, yep. lot to do there. But uh, as mentioned, some top 25 action again uh, tonight in college basketball. We saw number four UConn lose last night. But number one Purdue, who has already lost now recently, uh, lost a few nights ago. They're at number 24 Ohio State. Uh, that's probably the game of the night. Uh, number two Houston licking their chops, trying to get back to number one. They're 14-1. and one. They got SMU. Number 15 Indiana goes to Iowa. USC, who Auburn has played this year, has a big one there at number 10 UCLA. That's an 8:30 ESPN game. Uh, maybe Bill Walton's doing that one. I, I, huh. I don't think uh, I don't think Auburn fans are big Bill Walton people, and that's okay. Are, are you a Bill Walton guy? Because I'm very much not. I do not love. Bill I do Walton. like Bill Walton. Do you? Yeah. Uh, I would not want to listen to him throughout an entire season, and I would not want him in a serious setting such as a SEC or NCAA tournament basketball game. Uh, but for the regular season, I think he mixes it up. Uh, he truly loves everything in life, pretty much. Except, That's, yeah. Uh, except for like when the commentator like says something he doesn't agree with, and said, "Oh, come on! Have you ever seen the light of day? And you know, <laughs> have you ever uh, felt the way these kids have felt?" And he'll just go on on tangents. Um, so I do like him. Uh, I would get tired if I listened to it ten or fifteen times a year. Yeah. Uh, and I understand why he's not for everyone. I mean, there's definitely some different people. I don't know if there's anyone like Bill, but there's definitely any. There's definitely different types of, of commentators out there, and um, you know, I just appreciate how happy he is all yeah. the time, pretty much. You know, you know, a broadcaster that I did not used to love, and I've kind of come around on, is Gus Johnson. I did not love Gus Johnson, but like the more I, I listen to him, a little bit more than usual this year. I, just, I don't know. I'm coming around on him. Coming around on him. I think he's entertaining. He's not 100% for me, but I, I know what he's trying to do, and I respect it, I guess. I have my own personal reasons of hating Joel Klatt. Um, I do. I'm fine with Gus Johnson. Um, Gus, obviously, is, again, he falls in that category of being different. He's a little more yeah. animated than uh, than anyone else. I feel like since he got known for being animated, he maybe is less animated than he used to be hmm. in some respects. Because, I mean, it literally used to be, it could be first quarter. And if there's a long play, uh, the, He's the vocal let you know cords about are going to be tested. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I can't stand Joel Klatt personally. Uh, he is a um, – he's very biased towards the conferences that he works. 
Um, he called out UAB uh, on live TV before saying they're a nobody. Um, that's never going to sit well with me personally, and you oh, yeah. know that. Um, and you know what? That's a going theme for Fox. Colin Cowherd said the same thing when UAB's program died. He said they didn't matter. So uh, I have a big problem with uh, with Fox's people in general. Um, but uh, Gus, Gus does not fall under that category. Gus is fine. Um, well, this is a long tangent to uh, talk about Bill Walton in a roundabout way. Yeah. But uh, Bill decidedly went to UCLA, so he's going to be on the call of that. I'm just telling you, I don't know the assignments, <laughs> but he's going to be on the call of that UCLA-USC matchup. And he's going to th- – and I can't wait. And this is also what, what the, probably my favorite thing about Bill. There's going to be a three-on-two transition. It's going to end in a missed three-pointer. And he's going to say it's one of the six worst transition offenses in the history of basketball. <laughs> and then there's going to be a moment where someone – makes a great pass for an open three and they make it and he's going to say that's one of the eight best passes that he's ever seen mm-hmm. and, that, and that's there's like there's absolutely no way to quantify in bill walton's nearly 70 year old life who was a great basketball player himself by the way there's going to be no way to quantify that any of those things are true but he's going to attempt to do that so absolutely uh uh we're now getting i think our information on who the uh, commit for Hugh Freeze is, and I, want, I told everyone I would pass that along before the show ended today. Looks like Gunner Britton, the number five offensive tackle in the two four seven portal, has committed to Auburn as a grad trans- uh, transfer. Excuse me, um, and uh, that is must be the big fish that uh, uh, Hugh Freeze is referring to. Uh, Looks like he, Gunner Britton, was of Western Kentucky, so not someone we had mentioned earlier uh, in our segment, a little bit earlier in the show, about the the transfer portal guys Auburn was getting on campus to visit. Not a guy that was on my radar, for sure. But if you rank the number five tackle in the portal, uh, I I will tell you, I will grade wide receivers and quarterbacks and running backs till the cows come (laughs) home. I will not grade offensive linemen. Uh, I am not going to consider myself an expert at all on O line play, uh, but it, so I'll, I'll take I'll take two four sevens word well, word for it. Number five O tackle in the portal. We know Western Kentucky had a pretty robust offense this year. I'm just trying to throw some tea leaves out there. Uh, Austin Reed was their quarterback. They threw it around a lot. They were successful. Uh, they were what tied with Auburn at the half, I believe. Yeah, that was a tie uh, game at the half and so, Auburn pulled away. So I don't know. Just trying to put two and three and seven together. But uh, <laughs> uh, Gunner Britton is who Hugh Freeze was saying Yahtzee for on Twitter. The number five rated portal offensive tackle according to 247. He's committed to Auburn. And uh, he freeze continues to get young men in the portal. Uh, in in a game this year, I'm just looking up his highlights because I'm trying to grade him because I will grade offensive linemen. Sure. Uh, Gunner Britton off a deflected pass on a fourth and eleven caught the ball off the deflection and ended up picking the picking up the first down. Oh, so <laughs> versatile. He's he's got a he's got a playmate. He's got an ability as a playmaker, <laughs> which is so. all all you want in an offensive lineman. Yeah, right? well, it's right? interesting because the quarterback rolls out to the right, throws it. It def- defender jumps up and hits it, and it goes like 15 yards to the left of the off to the offensive left, and it just kind of falls in his arms, and he kind of turns up field and realizes there's nobody there, and puts his hand on the back of the right guard and starts going. Nice. Pretty cool. Uh, Justin Ferguson, friend of the program, joins us usually on the Tuesday shows. 
uh, adds that he was second team all conference USA this year uh, at Western Kentucky. Obviously, Auburn has had well documented um, offensive line issues for about five or so years now, uh, dating back to the previous administration uh, before Brian Harson even as well. So, uh, th- look, you got to get more people in. I, I am not going to begin to dissect the depth chart yet for uh, for Gunnar Britton and his prospects of starting or look, being second you, you've string. Look, but... you've pulled in three transfer offensive tackles, and you've yep. got another guy that you're talking to. Uh, the fact is, offensive line has been needed to be a priority for Auburn for a very long time, and it, it hasn't been, and now it is. Yeah, it is indeed. And, uh, Which is a very refreshing thing to right, see. Right. And and that's probably something, too, that just, you know, Hugh Freeze having been in this league before, uh, he knows what's needed in this league. And he knows that uh, you got to have an offensive line. Uh, he wants playmakers out on the edge for sure. But, uh, I mean, that's something that he has talked about at length uh, for – uh, the day he got here, depth, 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 and especially depth with those big boys up front, both on offense and defense. Another portal commit for Auburn. Uh, and, again, we'll continue to track all those. There's going to be uh, several more. I'm just going to go ahead and say uh, of varying degrees of importance. There's going to be – there's going to need to be, as we did on yesterday's show, and I meant to do that today um, – and have a segment on it and we'll have well i will have more updates on all things portal but the update i was going to give again today for uh brant and, and brooks to comment on was just the most transfers out that uh, we talked about yesterday that texas a&m has 27 players transferring out right Plus. now in the portal they've got one brought in good <laughs> so they're minus good. 26 there you're telling me bobby petrino can't bring guys in I mean, well, I mean, it, he did just get there. Yeah, yeah I was about to say, I was about to say, uh, twenty-four hours, no, but we'll see about forty-eight <laughs> and seventy-two, and, and start multiplying it out. But uh, you know, I thought Auburn made the most divisive hire of the off-season, but Bobby Petrito is back in the SEC, right? Yeah, we, we God bless. Talked about that a little bit on the show yesterday too, obviously, and uh, yeah, we'll again, we'll that on three tool where you can see what's in and out, not just what, how yeah. many players are in or not just how many are out. Because that's net roster movement. And I know that you have more to it because you get a lot of high school kids in and then you lose a few to graduation and to the pros and that sort of thing. But just the sheer number of you, anything that you lose 27 of and gain one of. It's a net loss yeah. of 26. It's yeah. a bad place to that's be. pretty easy, easily alarming math for a team like Texas A&M. All right, let's go ahead and take our final break of the show. When we come back, the nightly TV guide. And then again at 6 o'clock right here in Tiger 95.9, we'll have Tiger Talk. Be back in just a moment. Listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and All SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
final couple minutes of this Thursday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Brian Daughtry with you here. Again, shout out to, to Brooks Childress for joining us for the first couple of hours. Auburn women's basketball about to get underway over on our, on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. Just a couple minutes left in the show. It's been a fun one. We've updated a, a lot of things from Auburn basketball to the uh, portal. Again, Auburn getting a, another commit here from Western Kentucky on the offensive line. Number five ranked offensive tackle on the line. Uh, Brant doing some research. Six games at right tackle, six at left tackle. So mm-hmm. He's played both. And uh, a lot uh, we've accomplished today yeah. on the show. One year of eligibility remaining, so obviously he figures he's going to come in and be the starter. Uh, and, you know, he. I remember watching Western Kentucky last season. I don't remember being particularly impressed with their offensive line, but I didn't really watch their offensive line that much, especially not specifically their left tackle. But he was second-team all-conference USA, So, and that's a position of need for Auburn, and he's one of the best available. So go in, get him, and... You know, maybe he comes in and makes a makes a splash immediately. Just a couple minutes left in the show, so it's time for our nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. All right, Sports Call's nightly TV guide brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. As we mentioned, Auburn women's basketball at number one, South Carolina in Columbia, 6 o'clock on the SEC Network Plus. Again, you can listen to Britt Bowen call it over on FM Talk 93.9. Men's college basketball, number two, Houston. They take on SMU. That's a 6 o'clock tip on ESPN2. You got Bryant and Vermont. If you're looking for some small college basketball, that one is on ESPNU also at 6. And then in the National Hockey League, the Washington Capitals and uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, 6 o'clock on ESPN. I'm also going to throw another one out there that's not on our original list. Another big one uh, for UAB on ESPN+. Plus, 12-2 UAB, 12-1 Florida Atlantic in Conference USA. That one in Boca Raton. So a big one in Conference USA between two teams that have an outside chance of being at-large teams. That would go a long way if they're able to uh, win that one. And UAB's a team this year, we mentioned earlier this week, has beaten Georgia and South Carolina. Uh, so UAB would go a long way if they could beat Ford Atlantic. That's 6 o'clock on ESPN+. And then one movie pick for you tonight on USA. It is uh, 6 o'clock, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. You like Guardians of the Galaxy? I do. I, I very much enjoy Guardians of the Galaxy. I enjoyed the first one more than the second one, but they're both pretty darn good. Is it like the 12th best Marvel movie? Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. I mean, it depends on what kind of thing you're looking for. Um, I think my my favorite Marvel movies are the Spider-Man ones, are the Spider-Man Marvels. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy is up there, though. I really enjoyed those, for sure. Uh, I, my point was, even if it's the 12th or 14th, it's probably, what, the second or first if it's in DC's universe? Just saying. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Just, just absolutely. saying. Uh, that's how good Marvel is and how not good most of DC's is. That was a needless shot at the end of the show. I apologize no, it's needed. if you it's like It's necessary. DC, they need to know. But uh, they do need to know. That is the nightly TV they guide. They let go of Henry Cavill, but they're going to hold on to Ezra Miller as the Flash. Ezra Miller is has been arrested like three times. Yeah. It's, it's a bad decision. It's bad. It's bad over at DC. Anyway. It, that is bad. I mean, that's fair. No complaints 
Alliance here. That is the Night of TV Guide brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brant, appreciate you being on the show today. Thanks for having me. And uh, we appreciate Brooks, who was on the show earlier today as well. And, of course, we always appreciate all those who tune in and called in. For Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry, my name is Ryan Lavoy. Stay tuned. Tiger Talk coming up in just a few minutes. Otherwise, we'll talk to you tomorrow.